then the wildest thing happened to me. You know, I just had a birthday. Yep, birthday just boy. Turned, just turned 42 years old. Old. Old, old. Um, so I go into the liquor store, and I uh, I pick out my liquor. I walk up, and I, I hand... There's this this older lady behind... The, honestly, really old lady behind the counter, and she, she looks at my ID, and she goes, Has nobody told you? And I said, told me what? And she said, follow me. What? And she uh, she takes me she takes me to the back. She takes me back behind like all these like long corridors through this like kind of Freddy looking metal basement. And she opens up this door that says Super Liquor. Whoa! She Whoa! Ta- she takes me inside. She starts showing me. I'm looking at the bottles. I'm like, it says it's 250 proof. She's like, yeah. How? These go to 400. I'm like, how, that's what I said. I said, how? How do they go to four? I mean, you can't have 200% of things. And she's like, you're old enough now to understand everything oh, has 200%. And I was like, wow, that's, no. okay. Okay, that's crazy. So she 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 was like, all right, just gra- grab whatever you want. Next time you come here, just flash your ID. They'll bring you on down here. I'm like, great. This is awesome. And she she was like, you know, one more thing. One day... When you turn 84 years old, you're going to find out something new and fantastical. And I was like, oh my God, what is it? She was like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. But I recently had my 84th birthday. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Cool, 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 man. Like, I, I really wish I knew what it was. And she was just like, oh, man. And she cackled. And then t- suddenly she turned into a fine mist and <gasps> disappeared. And when I walked through the mist... It tasted like scotch. Oh, my God. So I'm guessing when you turn 84, you get the ability to turn into alcohol. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I know. Yeah. So listen, hey, don't don't worry about aging. When you turn 42, you get to have super liquor. And it gets Dude. you double drunk, which somehow comes back around to sober. Now, I assume, though, that that is because you have turned the legal drinking age twice over. Yeah. 21 yeah, yeah, yeah. to 42. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, she said there's nothing interesting about 63. You're just old. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Sucks. That's kind of a disappointing thing. But yeah. you know what? <laughs> they can't all be shiners, can they? No, they can't. They can't. Wow. I, I feel legally. like I'm not old enough to know this information yet. I'm sorry. No, she said, she said that I should tell the world so everybody knows that if you're over 42 to request the super liquor. So everybody out there listening right now who is of of the age of 42 and above, which that's a lot of y'all out there old asses, uh head head to your nearby liquor store and insist on seeing the super liquor and don't believe them when they tell you they don't have it. They have it. It's got to show them that ID. You got to flash that ID. Yeah, yeah, you got to let them know. Like, oh, I, yeah, no, he oh, he belongs here. He belongs in the super liquor section. Wow, man. Wow. Well, you heard it here first on the podcast, didn't they? That's right. The podcast. The only one. That's us. Dragon Dangly. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the I'm one. Drag. Dangly. <laughs> here with those that's the most. Be your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And down here on today's episode, we're going to be talking about that Baba Yawn, aren't we now? <laughs> Ooh, that the Baba Baba Yon. Yon. <laughs> if if this had been set in New Orleans, that that would have improved it, I think. Baba right? Yon. 
Barbarian. Don't go down there fucking with that house. That's a Barbarian house. <laughs> They'd have known better in that case, man. They would have. We're going to be t- deep diving into this amazing movie from 20 and 22. And if you want to get straight to the movie talk, there's a timestamp for you. And I'll tell you what. If you don't know nothing about this movie, don't be listening to this show now. Yeah. We're going to spoil it up. Go watch the movie, please. Don't don't spoil this movie for yourself because it's good. It's a really good movie. Yes, it's freaking awesome, and it is very, 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 very spoilery. Uh, whenever I saw this for the first time, I knew nothing about it, yeah, and I'm me so too. glad that I saw yeah. it this way. So if you're wondering if you should check it out, yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't read anything. Don't look at a cast list. Don't do fucking anything. Just go watch the movie. And then, you know, come back to us. Yeah, if you've made it this far, it's been it's been a year, basically, since it came out. If you've made it this yeah. far, don't spoil it for yourself now. Watch the damn movie. <laughs> right? Damn, man. But before we get there, we are going to pop open a co-beer, shoot the shit, talk about our weeks, and all that other good stuff. I think I'm going to go ahead and get that beer rig started, because doing oh, that yeah? Cajun Creole voice for, like, half of a sentence <laughs> it was has much. given me just a dry, <laughs> old, musty throat, and i got to yeah. wet this thing down. Man, I've had some kind of, like allergy beat down going on man i don't know what the deal is here well, lately man yeah, my sinuses they've been a pulling like a dang old waterfall in the swamp <laughs> the swamp known for its waterfalls uh-huh, just a gorgeous right. gator fall they call it <laughs> mm, yep, yep yep the gator falls down in the bayou um yeah yeah i i also have had a little sinus uh, stuff going on i mean you know it's it's approaching fall we're maybe getting a little bit of that going on. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I just popped myself open a beer. What is sure to whoop my damn ass? I acquired this from our good buddy, Mr. Roger Dean Miller, whenever he was passing through Knoxville not too long ago. And he brought me a, a care package awesome. of wonderful consumable intoxicants, including this Ale Smith Brewing Company Speedway Stout. Now, we've had one of the Speedway Stouts on yeah. the show before, mm-hmm. but not this one. This oh. is an Imperial Stout with coffee, and it is the Tart Cherry Edition. It is a 10%er. So it's a coffee stout with tart cherry. I look forward to finding out about this. I, I, I think those flavors will probably go together pretty well. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Good stuff? Whoa, that is good. Wow. It is like a... Dark chocolate cherry cordial is what it tastes like. Oh, but it has a yeah. little sourness to it, too. Almost like how, you know how like some of those really light roast coffees can have that fruity sourness to them? Yeah, uh-huh. It's like that on top of cherry and a dark porter kind of beer, a stout wow. kind of beer, I mean. Oh, my God. You sold me on it. That sounds awesome. It is freaking great, man. And yeah, 10%. I'm going to be sipping on that thing this whole time. I'm going to crack open this here. Seltzer water. Woo! All them tiny bubbles. Mm -hmm. Dang. Dang, man. Dang. Man, I'll tell you what. I've had myself a dang old hauling ass kind of week. It has been very, very, very busy, but very cool and very uh, rewarding and magical. Uh, Last week, I believe I mentioned that the next day after we recorded, I was playing a show in Knoxville with my buddy Andy Wood and his group, as well as the amazing... Uh, Greg Cock, the man squatch himself, Gregory Cockery, who is a, just a fucking phenomenal player and hilarious guy. Show went awesome. It was great. 
I had one day at home after that where Kate and I went to an amazing wine pairing dinner at Osteria Stella here in Knoxville. Oh, yeah. And cool. it was fucking awesome and got wasted. It was so <laughs> fantastic, man. That's great. It was really, really, really good. Man, I had this goddamn white truffle and bone marrow risotto as one of the courses. That sounds great. Shoo, mercy. Woo. My God, it was fantastic, man. And then the day after that, I headed out to the Woodshed Guitar Experience Guitar Camp out in Crossville, Tennessee, uh, which is hosted by my buddy Andy Wood. And this year included a roster of teachers, instructors, and performers, including the legendary Eric Johnson, Andy Timmons, Greg Cock, Mark Letary of Snarky Puppy, Seth Rosenblum. Um, there's a, a bunch more people that were there that I'm, I'm, I know I'm forgetting about, and it was just an amazing time. Brent Mason was also there, by the way. Hell yeah. Uh, fucking phenomenal. It is a truly surreal experience to find yourself like on stage playing with Andy Timmons and Eric Johnson and guys that you know I've listened to like my entire life. Pretty fucking surreal. Hell yeah, man. I don't know how it all works. They're workshops, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like an all-day kind of thing where, you know, it's like at 11.30, there's like a big group class with this guy. At 12.30, there's a big group class with this guy. There's like concerts at the end of the night. There's these um, camper jams that myself and Andy Campbell, our drummer host at night, where campers just get up and play with us and other of the uh, performers and stuff that are there. Uh It's a a blast, man. It was a really, really really great time. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, 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 uh, I knew that you you got together with all these guitars but for the life of me i had never really thought what's this what's the event is it just a yeah. bunch of dudes on a stage like this is how you play a damn guitar yeah right <laughs> why don't you yeah, do it really cool man yeah how about you try it out just mash a rope like this right here all right now you try yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it you know uh but yeah it was fucking great man had a great time very uh very fun time man that's awesome, man. Fuck. Yeah, we we uh we have not been uh doing anything nearly as cool as that. Uh Who'd you teach how to shred this week, huh? <laughs> I didn't honestly, I feel like I haven't taught anyone how to shred this week. So Probably nobody. Yeah, that's that's accurate. We've been uh you know, we had a, a whole lot of heat here recently as I've talked about on the show and uh it is finally kind of breaking we're having some some nice days and boy i'll tell you what getting out walking and it's it's kind of it's kind of crisp in the morning mm-hmm. oh it's starting to feel like fall isn't it it's i need that fall like y'all man i've got i've got the fever I'm, I'm trying to start forcing it where i'm like maybe i just wear a long sleeve shirt and shorts today you know just start easing it in you know kind of will it into existence yeah that's yes i just i just want I want to need to wear my hoodie, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I want to need. I miss it. them, man. Yeah. I miss my hoodies. <laughs> yeah, so I I like that the 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 weather has gone from 105 a couple weeks ago to to you know nice low 80s even high 70s. That's that's just boy. Once it starts getting down them low 70s, that's when it's gonna be real nice. That's oh, when yeah, we're hitting real it. nice. Uh huh. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, we just been watching stuff. Nice, man. What have you been watching? I've not had time to watch anything other than the news of our dearly departed Terry Funk, man. The fucking Funkster, Fuck, man. Yeah, has left us behind. <laughs> that was wild because we we uh, you know we recorded the the Roadhouse episode, uh, I believe, a day or two before Terry Funk died. So yeah. we had just talked about him, talked him up, etc. 
uh, uh you know so uh, it it sucks uh, you know the he was 79 it's not entirely surprising but uh, he- i mean considering the way he lived his life I'm frankly shocked he made it that long. Think about <laughs> all the wrestlers that guy outlived, dude. No, he's the man who cannot die. You know, he's he. Uh, yeah, that that was kind of the thing is that we've all kind of looked at Terry Funk as this guy, like, yeah, he he'll just go forever. You know, uh, so it's a surprise, even if it's not a surprise. But the much larger surprise came just a few days later when Bray Wyatt died, and yeah, boy, man. He, damn, God. Uh, a man who Sucks. was ded- dedicated to horror, a uh, huge part of, of all of his gimmicks, horror. He, is, he had masks made by Tom Savini, etc. Like, yeah. big horror fan. Uh, died at 36, gone too soon. I Just a big shock there, the, that couple yeah. of days. I, I did not no like kidding, that. Man. Not fun at all. From what I understand, Terry Funk's tombstone is uh-huh. etched with, let me know... How the Roadhouse episode of Dead and Lovely was. So Shit, he didn't his get last to hear wishes, it. he wants Fuck. people to come to the tombstone and tell him how the episode was. From what I understand, <laughs> he was pretty upset he never got to hear it. I mean, obviously he knew we were going to talk him up. All right, somebody dropped by Terry Funk's tombstone, uh, hit it with some barbed wire or something, and then play the, the Dead and Lovely Roadhouse episode. Yep. Please don't hit tell his, his tombstone it. with barbed wire. I was joking. <laughs> we thought he did a great job. He's awesome. Yeah, I love Terry Funk. So, yeah, he will be missed. R.I.P., man. Yeah. R.I.P., indeed, yeah. man, indeed. What have you been watching? Oh, man. So, uh, we watched Ocean's Eleven not long ago, and, uh, of course, hadn't seen any of the other ones, so we're kind of working our way through them. We watched Ocean's Twelve. I recall yeah. it being pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it? it's fun. It's fun. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. It's just convoluted. Like, the plan wouldn't work, but I don't know if the plan of the first one would work either. <laughs> it's fine. Sure. <laughs> I don't care. I'm a sucker uh, for a heist movie, man. I, yeah, I don't really too. care how plausible it is or exactly. not. I mean, fucking Fast Five, like how plausible right. is that? You know, I don't well, shit. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but it's awesome. Uh, we <laughs> one of the questions I did have though is that Bernie Mac is barely in the movie. It's like he disappears, and I, I didn't look huh. into it because I know you know uh, Bernie Mac uh, died pretty young himself, uh, and I just don't remember when it was. I didn't know if that had some effect on it or if they were just like, ah, we just don't want Bernie Mac in this movie. Uh, weird choice. Bad Santa, I believe, was his last one. I want to say he died during production of that, which is oh, okay. why there's some weird edits and stuff in there and like oh, weird okay. ADR stuff. I I might be wrong about that, but I okay. want to say that's the case. All right. Well, yeah. So Ocean's 12. Uh, fun. Um, <laughs> we've been watching them Furious movies because uh, if you don't know, we're recording ahead of time. So the Fast and the Furious Hell Rankers has already come out by the time that we're talking about this. But we uh, just got through Fast and Furious 6, uh, Furious 7, Fate of the Furious, and uh, Hobbs and Shaw. My this God. Week. And I'll tell you what, it, it, you know, as uh, I've said before, after five is when I feel like they get good. Like five and on is when they're real great. Uh, nice. And I think. Like Anna really got into them <laughs> at at this point because like six and seven are so fun. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. Like like there's a part in uh se- is it seven where Jason Statham and Vin Diesel drive directly at each other as fast as they can crash head on i don't even think either one of them's wearing a seatbelt, and then they both get out and vin diesel's like 
You doubled up your chassis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cheating. Cheating at what? Hitting each other head on? Whatever. <laughs> There's a code of honor in hitting someone yeah. head on in your car, Steve. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we have a ton to say about these movies. So if you haven't heard the Hell Rankers, go check it out. Um, uh, Anastasia. I had never seen Anastasia. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're a few years apart in age. And I think it's it's one of those that was like right on the edge for me. And I know you, you've seen it, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, you're Mr. Uh, Comrade Ruski yourself. And that is a true historical representation of <laughs> Russia, is it not? Oh, Seems like buddy. you'd be into that. If you want to see anti-communist propaganda produced by uh, a major American movie studio, check out Based Anastasia. Based on a true story about the, communism. The entire Anastasia story is a capitalist nonsense dream. Like, look at <laughs> look up Anastasia and look at all the adaptations of Anastasia. They're all American. Really? Like every adaptation of the Anastasia story, they're all American. Because nobody wanted this where she's well, it's from. Well, because we sit back and we go, be a lot cooler if this stuff happened, right, Russia? Right, make cooler. Russia a lot cooler. Wouldn't Y'all have some cool cooler? stories. Man, you know what was good? That them Romanovs was in charge for three centuries. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> and rooting, tooting, rasputing, hell. The real evil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to sit down here and and, and uh, pick apart Anastasia, but I will say that they show uh, Russia as a gray wasteland, uh, and then they arrive in the uh, happy-go-lucky, beautiful, colorful 1927 Germany. Woo, where everything was everything sunshine was and dewdrops. Everything <laughs> Nothing was bad wonderful. Was happening. The Nazi party was in, in charge. Great, right? Oh, wait, that was happening. What? Oh. What? What is okay, happening? So this might be a little inaccurate. And little when inaccurate. they get off the train, the character absolutely says, I'm never riding a train again in my life. Like, they're just like <laughs> anti-everything about communism. Don't fucking <laughs> like any of it. Uh, Ooh, trains. Yeah, fuck a train. Here I am in Germany that's, where there's hey, not listen. a train. <laughs> if you ask me, that's some of that real trains phobic rhetoric you've been hearing about. You know what I'm saying? Trains phobic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that is. I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is trains phobic, so. Uh, okay, yeah, that is yep. true. Yeah, yeah. Yep, in both senses. Uh,. Rocktober Blood we watched on Sunday on the old mm. <laughs> I I just got entirely my brain just went bleh and forgot what I was doing. Rocktober Blood we watched on Ice Cream Sunday. Um it's uh, it's something I think you might like it, honestly. Yeah. Like you should yeah, you should definitely check it out. Like I mean, I think I've told you like Black Roses, any kind of 80s rock and roll horror movie that we've ever oh, watched. Oh, I'm on board. On a screaming chat or ice cream Sunday, I've always thought like yeah, Ben would probably like that. It, I mean, it's fun enough. I enjoyed it. It, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> uh, on Friday night on uh, uh, screaming chat, we watched Devil's Express, which was like a, a kung fu action uh, horror movie. It, Ooh, it was, eh, you know, it had its charms, but it 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 was pretty bad i didn't really pay much Word. attention to it to the point that when i saw devil's express written down here i was like now what is that <laughs> <laughs> um we watched uh, the sorcerer's apprentice with old nicholas cage 
Um, well, Disney saw that um, those Harry Potter movies were making a whole lot of money, and they were like, we want that. Why don't we have that? So they made The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nick Cage. Oh, wait, Cage. Is that, that was like a, a kid's book first or something, right? Nope. You'd think so. It wasn't? So. wasn't. Nope. It's based off of uh, Goethe's uh, uh, The uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, but that that's just like the basis for the... The Fantasia, like the section in Fantasia where Mickey like chops up the brooms and the brooms all come to life. So yeah. that scene is in there. But yeah, it's not based oh. off a book. It's like they were trying to make their own original Harry Potter property. Um, and it, it has Nick Cage and, and Alfred Molina and uh, fucking Monica Bellucci. Like they got big wow. names. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was fine. I, I think like they, they clearly like somebody saw it as a, a a like a definite like franchise and then somebody else who had more power was like no 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 you need to throw all your ideas into this one because you might not get to make another one so there's too many ideas and too many things and like uh, if yeah. you imagined a future sequel they'd have to deal with so many of the things that they introduced that would make it so hard to, it, it, it really was just like even if it had succeeded, it kind of would have failed, probably. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's not terrible though. I had a fun time. Uh, Jay Baruchel's okay. the the lead, um, and he he's he's cool. I enjoyed it. Um, watched the Lego Movie. Hadn't seen it in a long time. That's still fun. Yeah, it is a fun movie. I it's yeah, interesting it that um, you know having I seen Barbie kind of recently and watching the Lego Movie. There's a lot of parallels in the ways that like if you want to make a good adaptation of a toy <laughs> you know what i mean like it it they've kind of figured out a little bit of the formula they've kind of hmm. like figured out like that you you w one of your villains has to be capitalism right like, yeah yeah it's definitely in there yeah you you can't like embrace the toy as a product you buy you got to embrace it as something that means something to people that has like this like uh, connection between uh, a, a you know adult and child the father the father son in Lego movie and the mother daughter and Barbie like there there and then also apparently you have to make Will Ferrell the the head of uh, the business whatever it is oh yeah yeah <laughs> that is kind of an element huh yeah so for huh. all the, hey Mattel. Uh, uh, first off, I, I won't scab, but I am offering whenever the strike is over to, you know, make all those toy movies that you're saying you're going to make. We'll figure it out together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they got a pretty successful formula going, don't they? No, shut up. They need me. <laughs> um, uh, we also watched Superstar with, uh, Superstar. Molly Shannon. Yeah. I hadn't seen it uh, since way back in the day. And I remember why watching it. Not that I'm saying it's bad, but as as an SNL movie goes, it's weird. I right? don't know like, that I've ever seen it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that I have. I think it's much more personal of a, a movie than any of the other SNL movies because, like, this is you know Molly Shannon's character, uh, and it. I don't know. Like, I think if you compare Superstar to a lot of later movies about kind of awkward teenage girls growing up you'll see that superstar was maybe doing something a, a little bit different showing this very awkward i mean honestly tina belcher is very much based off of uh, mary Catherine gallagher in, in a lot of ways 
like you you have her awkwardness and, and whatnot and i i think it, it does a lot that other snl movies doesn't do but it also isn't as funny as those movies so like i see why as a teenager when i saw it i was like oh okay and then now as an adult watching i'm like oh oh this is better than i thought hmm yeah okay run on run on and then also uh the final one we watched a movie called miss march because it was directed or co-directed by zach kreger director of barbarian um and it was made while in the midst of the widest kids you know run um and uh, i had never seen it Eh. (laughs) yeah is what i say really yeah have you ever seen a a road trip movie where uh one guy is kind of like stuck up and the other guy is kind of like uh careless and uh whatnot maybe like a plane trains automobile maybe type of thing uh have you ever seen that uh but not as funny Oh, but not good. Um, I don't know that I have. <laughs> That's quite a week of watching. Hopefully, I'll have some time to uh, chill out and watch a few things this week, man. I've got a pretty, pretty reasonably chill week, which is good considering all the uh, all the action of the past week or so. Yeah. So, I'm gonna enjoy hopefully being a little bit more chilled out, working on some music, and watching myself a thing or two, and finishing The Shining. I'm almost done reading The Shining. Oh, hell Fuck, yeah! It's so awesome, man. God damn, dude. It like. Is probably the best Stephen King book that I've read. I mean, I'm already, you know, inclined to like it just because I love The Shining so much anyway. But, man, it's real, real fucking good, man. Real page turner, that one. Yeah, you liking the croquet mallet? Dude, the mallets. <laughs> yeah. The gin martinis. Uh-huh. The whole nine yards. Yeah. I, I definitely want to watch that shit-ass TV series after this and just well, watch I, the movie play out more like how the book does. I've heard people say they like it. Anna likes it. I, I saw it back in the day and wasn't super impressed with it, but I was a kid. Maybe I would like it a lot more now. Could be. I guess yeah. we'll find out about it, man. Now, today's movie of choice is, of course, Barbarian. Barbarian. And this movie... It's got a big variety of things, so how about we talk about a big variety of things as we enter into the Potpourri Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. Woo! That's right. Here. It's a dang old Potpourri edition of the Preview mm-hmm. Palace, which of course means we couldn't decide on a single topic to talk about. So, we came up with a <laughs> whole bunch of a many of which I came up with. Uh, right before I started this phone call. So there's going to be some surprises in here. How about Hell that? yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> now, let's kick this off. And again, we already told you guys we're going to be spoiling this movie. Spoilers are everywhere in this. So, you know, we warned you. But this year movie, it's got one hell of a Skarsgård discard in it, doesn't it? <laughs> Skarsgård, Skarsgård discard. discard. That's right. Yeah, you That's think just you're, fun to say. Yeah, it is. You think you're getting a scars guard through the whole movie, and then poof, out of nowhere, gone. Crazy. Discarded. Discarded. <laughs> Discarded. Do you think if they if they took like all the scars guard um, acting boys because there's a whole bunch of them, uh-huh. and they formed like a private uh, protection force for hire, they could be the scars guard guard. Scars guard guard. Where's what? the scars guard guard? <laughs> and when whenever they are trying to get new clients, they say, "Here's my scars guard guard card." Or what if you know? Because they're all um, handsome, intelligent Nordic men, right? What if they were super smart and in the laboratory they came up with a special um, 
salve that uh-huh. could help cuts from becoming long-term permanent scars. Right. And they marketed it as the Scars Guard Scars Guard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I want it. I want that. You want that? Please. <laughs> so now we're just talking about most likely Scars Guard products. I think there's also a deodorant called Scars Guard too. I don't know. But we didn't Why get not? to to the best scar uh the best discard. Which yeah, is Scars Guard discard. The Scars Guard discard, uh, the best one of course being in Deep Blue Sea. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, we just watched that recently. I talked about it last week. We just watched that re re recently and it he gets so disrespected. Like he is <laughs> he is already attacked, tied up yep. to the fucking or, or, or put on the board and then like attached to the helicopter. The helicopter then it starts spinning like fucking crazy. So he's getting oh, spun yeah, like does. insane. Then he falls <laughs> into the the shark pool. Then the sharks fucking just use his body like a battering ram to break <laughs> open the fucking glass area. <laughs> like he gets ripped apart by the it's fucking awesome he gets, he gets discarded. hardcore discarded right <laughs> that was pretty good i yeah. mean also seeing old uh old pennywise there getting discarded at the end of it part two where oh, his yeah. head turns into a little puffy empty balloon sack yeah he got discarded pretty hard this was a bunch of kids just fucking bullying him to death pretty hardcore <laughs> they were like you're a fucking clown and he was like yeah it hurts my feelings Ouch, I'm puffy. Yeah. I think you're right, though. Deep Blue Sea, that is the best Scarsguard discard, for sure. Mm-hmm. What else we got? <laughs> okay, so this movie was made, as you mentioned, by one of the whitest kids you know. That's but right, Zach Greger. Who is the whitest kid we know? <laughs> Hard to say. The whitest kid we know. I mean, a, you know, Dracula is pretty white, you know? He is it, a pale man. When he's not yes. putting on his, his glamour. He's got that that butt haircut, and he's he's, he does. he's real pale. Yeah, mm. I, I maybe the, the old whitest butt kid cut I know. is a that's a signature '90s white boy move. The butt cut. Yeah. <laughs> the butt cut's been around since way back in the day. Dracula invented it. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a homeschool buddy that had the butt cut uh, center part hairstyle. Yeah, and I'll never forget one time another friend's mom said that Donnie's got butt hair, and we all <laughs> laughed a lot. She said butt hair. <laughs> butt hair is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm still laughing about it now. I'm fucking yeah. almost 40. I you hear know? you. I hear you. I hear um, the laughter currently. I'll tell you, that Gandalf, he turned into a real white boy, didn't he? He just <laughs> he a did. dirty white boy. Dirty white boy. Dirty white boy. Yeah. Uh, he did. Riff, man. He was. He was a, he was a gray boy. But then, you know, fought with a Balrog, uh, et cetera, passed through all sorts of whatnots, and then out he comes, Gandalf the White. I could have sworn you just said ball with the Balrog. Yeah, he ball he balled with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> ball, ball with the ball rog. That's the LOTR Kid Rock cover band. Ball with the ball rog. That sounds like a fucking shit ass Wizard Rock song from Harry Potter, though, doesn't it? Fuck yes, it does. Ball <laughs> with the ball rog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let oh, me run shit. this by you here. Mm-hmm. At Justin Long, that old yeah. Jay Long, he's called. Mm-hmm. 
What a fucking wild card. What an absolute wild card. Is he yeah, a good guy? Is. is he a bad guy? Is he a Mac or is he a PC? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's he's a Mac, right? John yeah, Hodgman's he's the Mac, PC. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he is always. But what is your like favorite like standout Justin Long role? What is the role mm. that you think of when you think about Justin Long? Because for me, when mm-hmm. I think Justin Long, my mind immediately goes to... Zach and Miri make a porno. Oh, Randy really? St. Randy. Fuck yeah, man. His <laughs> character in that is incredible. And it's all improv. Like, everything is just made up where he is a a uh, a gay porn star in that movie that goes to the high school reunion. And mm-hmm. his character is fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, yeah. I, um... I think I tend to think of him in, in uh, Waiting or Dodgeball. I think... Oh, yeah, Dodgeball. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the two that where like I kind of recognized him because you know I guess I probably had seen him before that, but you know it's, those were the two that he kind of stood out. I I think it probably was Dodgeball because like word yeah that is that's a, that's a movie that I mean we kind of rewatched it uh, recently probably a few months ago. Uh, yeah. That's a movie full of great character actors like just, like fucking uh, what's his name shit uh, he's in Tucker and Dale. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fuck. He, he plays Pirate Steve, and yeah, uh, Pirate Steve. And yeah. He's also in A Knight's Tale, right? Man, why can we not remember his name? Fuck <laughs> That's me, very he annoying. Smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> so people are just banging, gonna, banging everything nearby, saying Alan fucking Tudyk. <laughs> yeah, there it yeah. is. There he is. Yeah, yeah that's him. That's him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a good choice. You know, I don't think I've ever seen Waiting before. That's one of those ones that I know that like yeah. everybody that's our age that worked in the service industry yeah, is like, we all saw it. Yeah. oh yeah, this is exactly how it was at O'Charlie's or TGI <laughs> yep. Fridays or whatever. Yep. Everybody says that movie is just Pretty dead on accurate. accurate for the time. And, and watching it? watching it, I mean, yeah, I think it's accurate, but watching it and knowing that that is accurate for the like early 2000s serving scene, 90s, 2000s serving scene is depressing. It's uh, (laughs) yeah, it's it's so accurate and it's rough, like uh, down to the, you know, overage server hitting on the, you know, underaged uh, hostess and just all the fucked up shit that goes on. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that that was pretty normal. It probably is still (laughs) pretty normal, honestly. Well, the restaurant biz, it is something. It is. It's it's full of people on drugs. Let me ask you, Steve. You got a favorite subterranean dweller? What lives beneath the crust? <laughs> Anybody who you think is the coolest of the cool? Is it perhaps a? Uh, is it a descent creature? What oh, you they're pretty cool. I mean, I I immediately if you if you're talking about living below the crust, I'm thinking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Team NT, dude. They're down yeah, there in right. them dang sewers, aren't they? Hell yeah, they're down there in the sewer. And speaking of crust, they like a pizza. Oh, they do like a pizza, don't they? That's right. So, yeah, those are my favorite. I I like to avoid a chud. Stay away from them. Mm, Uh Yeah, yeah. Those are the cannibalistic humanoid type of underground dwellers. I like them less, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to hang out with them, for sure. What about you? Man, I'm a, you know, we already mentioned him just a second ago in passing, but I'm a big fan of that ball at the Balrog. That guy. (laughs) He is awesome. He's got a look. He's he got a warm, a warm personality. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He like Devo likes to whip it. <laughs> if a problem comes, he's along, always doing whippets. He, you know. He, I, listen, first of all, I want to hang out with Balrog and do whippets. That sounds awesome. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, yes. Second of all, I like it. Once we get all whipped it up, I'm going to ask to use his whip. Sure. Just got. I'm going to ask. He he doesn't have to say yes. No, but you know, you miss every shot you don't take, right? <laughs> exactly. So there you go. <laughs> That's just how it goes, man. I'm not exactly sure how he ends up donning the boxing gloves and fighting in Street Fighter. I'm not sure <laughs> and when not he made being that able to kick. change. <laughs> yeah, no kick. That was a weird no. change. Although I. I don't think I ever saw him kick in Lord of the Rings either. He might have never really been in. You that. know what? Huh? Maybe that's a thing. Maybe like to him, it's like, Ugh, real men fight with their fists and whips and whips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just really into fisting and whipping that Balrog. Okay. Now, now I'm starting to get it. Okay. <laughs> the B now in BDSM stands for too. Balrog. <laughs> Balrog domination. It is a masochism. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so this movie features one Richard Brake, also yeah, known as does. Dick Brake, which Dick just struck Brake. me as hilarious. <laughs> Old Dick Brake himself. That's him. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that when you see his name in a cast list, you're instantly just like, okay, so I should be suspect of whoever the fuck he is in the movie because right. he is. Yeah. Just an evil motherfucker, basically all the time. <laughs> right. It's really, honestly, one of the best kept secrets of this movie that he was even in it. Because, like, right. whenever he hit the screen, I was like, "God damn it, that's fucking Richard Brake." Uh-huh. Now I've met the bad guy of the movie. Obviously, is there yeah. anybody that whenever you see their name on a cast list, it instantly just sets off your your sus radar the same way that mine does? Whenever I see Ann Dowd, goddamn Ann Dowd on a cast list, is that she's right? Always the worst. She's always <laughs> the baddest. Most evil, heinous motherfucker in the movie. Yeah. Hereditary fooled me once. Fucking Handmaid's, Te- Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Uh-huh. You know how it goes. Um, I don't know. I'm always... I'm always uh, suspect whenever I see Walken in a movie, but it's rare that he's actually the villain. It's like so crazy that like Christopher Walken has such a villain vibe. Hmm. But like... He's usually True romance did it, you know. Yeah, even even when he's not a villain, he feels villainous. <laughs> like even like even in Hairspray, when he's the dad, like dad with the joke shop. There's so many times when I'm like, this is gonna turn. He's okay. You know what? <laughs> now that you're talking about walking, I'm gonna change my previous answer about subterranean dwellers because Christopher Walken <laughs> in Blast from the Past. Yeah, that's right. Drinking his hot Dr Pepper, doing his yes. little snap and clap move that he does man that is a movie i've seen too many times same <laughs> like, and at the same even, time not enough times it is yeah, so fucking great that movie i don't is even fantastic. like remember the first time i watched it because it came on like so often that it was just like on in the background all the time oh blast from the past is on there's that brendan fraser God, it's so good, man. The little like malt shop that turns into like the Seattle Grunge Club and everybody's uh-huh. all fucked up and degraded by the time it's over with and shit. The mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn it. Why does he go yeah. to first? Because he must. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Those are the best subterranean dwellers for sure. Okay. The family from Blast right. from the Past. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. d- we were talking about dick break. Yep. And let me just tell you. Uh, I, I, it immediately sparked in my mind an idea right now. Best dick breaks. Ooh, 
I'm going to go with Pinata Survival Island. That kind of goes back to our ball break that we went uh, yeah. back on a couple months ago on an uh-huh. episode. But, man, when that dong gets ripped off and it's all stringy like mozzarella cheese. Ooh, ooh it's like a, it's like It's like a mozzarella and a marinara just getting tore off of that guy's nether regions. Ouch. <laughs> Pinata Survival Island is, I'm telling you, that was Massive one of those. Massive piece of shit. It, it, it is, like, because we watch a lot of bad movies on the screaming chat, but when we watched that, it stood out uniquely as, like, what the fuck is going on type of bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, a good dick mangling, of course. I, you know, you always like RoboCop shooting that guy's dick, etc. The best. Yeah, yeah, that's a deserved dick break for sure. Yeah, fuck absolutely. That that's a very, like, positive dick break. Or uh, in Come to Daddy, when he just fucking oh, wails shit, on that dude's that. nuts with that uh, fucking carving fork. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. That movie is ridiculous, dude. Yeah, it is. That's a good one. That's a good dick break for sure. Yeah. What else we got? All right. So here towards the end of this movie, we got our uh, our dude that gets his dang old arm ripped plum off. Ooh. It is a quality disarming if I it ever is. seen one. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. He is fully disarmed. Uh-huh. You got any favorite disarmings that come to mind? I mean, for me, oh, the black. I think Knight. back to the to the original. Yeah, I was gonna say the first yep. disarming I think I ever recall seeing is of course the Black Knight in yep. Monty Python mm-hmm. Holy Grail. That one yep. always sticks out to me. The little spurts of blood. Uh-huh. <laughs> your arm's yep. off. No, it's, it was, no, it isn't. <laughs> like, it, it's just a so dumb perfect. thing to lie about. Yeah. Uh, That's another, a solid one. Another great disarming I think of is, uh, I know, uh, Arrested Development, I don't know how much you've seen of it, but uh, in Arrested Development, uh, uh, the the uh, patriarch, George Bluth, has a guy who uh, he hires to teach the kids lessons and the guy is missing an arm and almost all of the lessons involve his arm coming off uh, oh shit yeah <laughs> so, damn dude yeah. all of those are great disarmings the thing's got a good disarming in that oh too, yeah it does hell yeah that's a wild one right there i'll tell you what that is a wild one uh i uh you know just I was just watching because I we're uh, we're uh, starting back up uh, Legacy of Brutality. If if you haven't already, I'm sure I've posted about it by this point. Uh, starting back up Legacy of Brutality here in September. We're doing the Apocalypse trilogy as our first episode, just talking about the the history of Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. And I've been watching so much like uh, behind the scenes and like interviews with John Carpenter. And I I I don't know what I gave the thing when we did it. Probably a 10, but that movie's a fucking 10, right? I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Like, no matter how high you rate it, it is not overrating it. That no. movie is fucking so phenomenal. Good. So good. Anyway. God damn, man. Yeah. So good, man. Good disarming in that. Okay. Now, this one, I think there's really only one right answer for this, but maybe you'll surprise me. Okay. This movie takes a dang old hairpin turn in the middle of it. My God. Uh-huh. It's like 40 minutes in. Yeah. And the Boom. tone, the atmosphere, everything yeah. of this movie just completely changes. Do you have any other movies you think about when you think about the best like hairpin turn a movie has oh. ever made? Huh, that's interesting. I mean, because there, there are a ton of movies that, you know, got that early twist. But this one, I don't even know if it's early. So you, 
got to think of a movie that that maybe gives a little time to breathe before it's like uh-uh on you. You got one in mind? I mean, From Dust Till Dawn is the ultimate. Oh, I'll never forget shit. the first time that I watched that yes. movie with Brandon and Kate, and I, I knew nothing at all about it. And I'm just like, oh, cool, like kidnapping crime kind of movie. Wow, wow, wow. Uh-huh. And then it is so late in the game. It's like, nah, vampires, whatever. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, one, I, I don't want to say too much about it cause it is kind of recent ish and, and I don't think enough people have seen it, but we've talked about it recently. Becky, Becky was unexpected. Mm. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I thought what we were going to be dealing with was a far different thing and I don't want to say too much, but it, it felt like it was just going to be a home invasion narrative where, you know, maybe this girl survives through her wits and whatnot. And it turns a completely different corner, I feel Plum like. Plum slideways. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, oh, shit, yes, okay. <laughs> um, I, I like that a lot. That That's just what I've thought about recently, that, like, the way that that... Because what I, when I saw, like, people talking about Becky, and I remember, like, Kevin James and whatnot, I, I just thought, oh, you know, it's going to be one of those where... A little girl stands up to the big mean man, and that is kind of what happens, I guess. Yeah, but that's not kinda. the way I'd characterize it. It definitely takes a completely different turn than you expect. No kidding, man. Yeah, that's a cool one, dude. Definitely yeah. a cool one. I would say in the horror world, like audition should definitely be on that list as well. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yes, because it's set up as a as a romantic comedy kind of for yeah. the majority of the movie. <laughs> I met somebody recently who was talking about how like they hadn't they hadn't watched any Takashi movies and they're like, Yeah, I've been hearing about audition. I think I should watch it, but I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, Oh, you should. You should make yourself some popcorn and uh just turn it on sometime. You'll have a good yeah. time. Yeah, just have a good time. Let me tell you what, just that go guy for it. That guy Mike's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about uh Masters of Horror the other day. Oh, uh, man. Because yeah. uh, I was just thinking about uh, Carpenter's Masters of Horror, which is, uh, he's got a couple. They're great. But uh, I had forgotten that Imprint was a Masters yeah, of dude. Horror. Imprint is fucked. Like, yeah. Remember that just, Dumplings one, too, on Masters ooh, of Horror? That was yes. crazy dude. fucked up. Yeah. Masters of Horror is great. And I found out that Bring it's, that it's, shit it's, back. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Like, you're we're seriously talking about... In the mid-2000s, there was a show on Showtime where John Carpenter and Toby Hooper, Takashi Miike, fucking Dario Argento were making one-hour horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, who doesn't what? want that? Yeah. So if you've never heard of that, that that is out there. I think it's on Tubi that it's streaming. Fucking watch it. That, that yeah. show was great. I mean, it's, a, it's not as much a show as an anthology type of thing because there's yeah. no, like, running connector or whatever. But check it out. Yeah, definitely awesome, man. All right, I got one more for you. You ready for this? Uh Uh-huh. One of my favorite bits in this movie that is, like, scary but also comedic. It's kind of one of the few parts where the scary stuff and the funny stuff of this movie really do intertwine. But when we're in that water tower and Mm -hmm. we're talking to our, our, our homeless guy there and he's like... Oh, yeah, I've been up here 15 years, and she's never come up here. And then she just fucking Kool-Aid mans through the side of that right. motherfucker. Yeah, perfect. You, got, you like... got any other favorite Kool-Aid mannings? <laughs> God, there are some great... I mean, you know, the Hulk, he's known for his, his Kool-Aid mannings, of course. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
who else we got who who mans through Kool-Aid ways? See, uh, my favorite one that I think about, and you'll have to give me an assist right here. I'm going to tag uh, team with you because I can't remember the wrestler's name. But you remember there was like that yes, huge like wrestler master. intro. The, the Shockmaster. Shock that's him. You know exactly what the fuck I'm Look talking about. Look it up, y'all, if you haven't seen it. And, and try to find the... I, I, if it, I think the WWE versions, I'm pretty sure you can hear uh, Booker T say, this motherfucker, <laughs> like real low. <laughs> but on the <laughs> WWE version, I didn't hear it. Anyway, yes. Amazing. The story. Dude, he Kool-Aid man through that wall uh-huh. with that cool-ass mask on and just immediately <laughs> just eat shit. shit. He kind of like, he gets up and kind of tries to put the mask back on and act all cool about it. And it is... <laughs> It is the lamest shit ever. It and looks that, like it was intentionally funny. And that was Tugboat, man. That was like a respected wrestler they put that in a That was Tugboat? Sequ- yeah, in a sequined fucking Stormtrooper helmet. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know that was him, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go check out that, that Shockmaster video. It's so funny. You you have never, like, the buildup to this guy was so huge. You have never seen a person immediately fail upon introduction <laughs> until you've seen this Shockmaster video. <laughs> it's really good. Also, yeah. while you're at it, if you just want to watch a uh, a horrible asshole blow out both of his quads, look oh. up Vince McMahon blows out both of his ha! quads on YouTube. Ha! That's the most. I, I just insane. finished the uh, the six part behind the bastards yes, uh-huh. series on, yeah, on Vince McMahon. I just shit. finished it the other day, and they mentioned that at the very end about when he blew his quads out. So yeah. I was like, "Well, I have to watch this." So yeah, yeah, that that dumbass, that, that whole, fucking piece of shit. I don't even whole, feel bad about laughing about it. The whole context of that is so laughable too, because that the the finish of that rumble was supposed to be, you know, like a little bit muddy, but like clear like who the winner was supposed to be but then by accident they both went out at the same time (laughs) and so mcmahon comes running down to solve the situation and then (laughs) blows both his quads (laughs) and then has to has to be yelling at these people he's pissed off at while sitting down on his ass Can't stand up yeah he won't stand for this kind of behavior is what he's going for i think that's what he's trying to say i think some people don't like you tell people about professional wrestling, they're like, yeah, but it's fake. And it's like, yeah, everything, entertainment's fake. It's all fake. Whatever. Who gives a shit? But what they don't realize is like, you you can go into it knowing that it's real. Or no, knowing that like, it's not real. Like that they have decided who's going to win. And, but they are hurting each other, etc. But sometimes things just go wrong. And that yeah. is the most like electric shit. When it's just like, wait, this was not supposed to happen. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yeah. (laughs) Watch that Terry Funk Sabu match (laughs) to find out about that Uh, shit. Or, I mean, even Mankind's Hell in a Cell match. That first bump was supposed to happen. Everything after it, that's all just fucking gold. Improv. Yeah. (laughs) Improv. It's a dance, man. God, so good, man. Good stuff right there. That's a that's a palace of potpourri if I've ever seen one right there. If anything, I might even call that a barbarian dream house. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could, and that would be enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, Hollywood Steve here, letting you know that we got another dead and lovely meetup. That's whoop, right. Whoop. Whoop, 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 meet up. We're meeting up. 
here in Portland, Oregon. That's right, Portland, Oregon. And Steve's bringing all the meat. That's right, porterhouse <laughs> steaks, sausages, <laughs> chorizo. We got chicken legs, chicken right. thighs. He's That's bringing right. all the meat. I bought them already. I bought them for November. They're just going to sit, and I'm going to bring them that day. And it's going to be maybe, Who knows? Who knows? Uh, anyway, it's it's going to be November 3rd. That's right, Friday, November 3rd here in Portland, Oregon. Further details to come, just like uh, the past few years when we've had these meetups. Of course, we will have uh, stuff uh, the Thursday and Saturday and Sunday as well for everybody coming in from out of town. So don't think you're just coming in for one evening. Uh, but right now, uh, details have not been fully ironed out. And one warning ben eller might not be there i might be psychically projecting there right but odds are my body Uh won't be there yeah 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 so pretty 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 good chance we will not be seeing ben eller at the portland oregon meetup but you will get all 100 percent of me 200 percent even that's right i'm bringing it all I'm bringing it all. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have a good time. We've already uh, started doing some planning. Uh, a lot of great folks around here have helped us uh, pick out some great spots. Uh, we're definitely going to go to Movie Madness. Uh, I'll be posting about this on, on uh, the, the interwebs, on our social media and whatnot, and updating everyone as we go. Just wanted you all to know so you can go ahead and mark your calendars, make your plans, etc. I want you guys to enjoy the uh, chicken thighs, especially. Uh, yeah, those will be the best, probably. Uh huh. And a ribeye. That's a mm, great piece mm. of steak mm-hmm. for the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And watch out for deer. Don't forget, <laughs> if you get tired, pull over. Right. And if you get hungry, eat something. Oh, wow. That's really nice. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. You're welcome. We love you all. Mwah. Let's get on to the subject of today's episode. We're talking about Barbara Yawn from Barbara Yawn. 20 and 22. Now, uh, Kate and I saw this movie. It was actually, I think, around this time last year, and uh-huh. we did a mini-sode about it a right, while yeah. back. Go check that out. And uh, and we were just blown away, man. Just absolutely floored by this movie. Uh, going into it, I knew nothing Kate knew enough to know that she wasn't that interested in it, but we just happened to have a free day, and it was like, yeah, right. whatever, we'll go see this movie. And, dude, it blew me the fuck away. And I think you saw it sometime after I did. Whenever you watch yeah. this movie, did you know anything about it going nope. in other than nope. I said it's really cool? Nope. Uh, every, uh, I think I mentioned it back in the day. It was one of those rare instances where like everybody on Twitter just didn't spoil it. Everybody was yeah, just like, I know, you gotta right? see it. You gotta see that movie. Um, and I I think I saw it once it, it hit HBO, which was, uh, you know, just a couple months after it had hit theaters. Um, and I was blown away, too. Like, I really didn't know what I was getting into when I started it up. And, uh, by, you know, the, the major inflection point where everything just kind of goes off the rails is where uh <laughs> we see the guy who we assumed was going to be the villain get killed by a large uh screaming woman in the corridors of these underground fucking tunnels under this house it, what a it, shock 
Yeah, just a huge shock. And then, like, as you said in the, the preview palace, that shift to Justin Long driving down the fucking Pacific Coast Highway singing Ricky Ticky Tavi. And it's just like such a huge juxtaposition of, of everything that was just going on. And then also like, wait, but what about her? Like you, your brain is like, well, what just happened though? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it really had me hooked. It had me hooked instantly because the, you know, already like, uh, Bill Skarsgård and, uh, Georgina Campbell are fucking, they're great. Like the, the, that interaction between them where they're both it's fantastic. They're so tense. It's like. You know, you, you watch it the first time and you, you're like, yeah, she's tense, of course, because it's fucking Pennywise. But yeah, you, you yeah watch, exactly, man. Yeah, you watch through it a second time knowing he's not a bad guy and that like no, no, there's none of these things he's doing are red flags or anything. It's just a person trying to make the best out of a bad situation. You see it different like, oh, shit, like he's just ner- He's like nervous. You know, he's worried like, oh, shit, like. I've just let, you know, he, he's a man. So as they say in the movie, he lets her in because we do that because, you know, we're not as afraid. We live in a patriarchal society where things just go well for us, you know? And so he lets her in. But then after that, it's like you can see things kind of shift for him, which is often what happens. I feel like as a guy where like you don't immediately think you should feel like you're in danger so you're just like yeah whatever and then you start thinking about it and you're like i just let a stranger in my fucking house (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck am i doing (laughs) (laughs) but it's just kind of the huge for us just to kind of drift through life and be like probably nobody's gonna mess with me yeah i i highly doubt anyone is going to attempt to murder me yeah um, yeah, not usually, <laughs> not historically. That's not usually how this no, goes. It yeah, happens, I mean, but not all the time. Men are murdered uh, at a very high rate. Uh, so we should probably be worried about that, but but it's not but a general don't. fear we have to have. I don't well, think we're usually we, the ones doing the murdering. Right, yeah. So we can't really shoot. Like, we can't just look and be like, oh, that's a man. I should be worried, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's constant, right? So we all have it. We all have that fear. Uh, women just have it in a far worse way where there's an entire system set up to not only heap uh, that terrible uh, fear upon them, but also heap everything else upon them while taking every bit of right and freedom away from them, basically creating the mother monster in the basement here. <laughs> like, it's uh, almost as if historically men have been the worst thing to happen to women. <laughs> kind of. It's kinda, almost like that. Almost like that. Almost like that. Uh, yeah, and so like the, yeah, this movie is just dealing heavily with the you know already uh, our fear for her uh, as a as a woman dealing with a man she doesn't know, but also it's Bill Skarsgård. We've seen him play villains up to this point, etc. Like, and even though watching it a second time, you can see like, oh, he's not doing anything weird. The first time through, everything seems weird. Everything it seems feels so suspect, off. man. Yeah, it really, uh-huh. really does. And that, and that's the thing about it too is, even though the stuff that he's doing is at its core good natured, where he's like, "Yes, he can." I wanted to wait nice till you person. were in the room before right. I opened this bottle of wine because I want you to know I didn't fuck with it or anything. Like, even though that is a noble gesture, it also means that you thought of it, which well, is incriminating. You know what I mean? But yeah, like at yeah. the end of the day, he's honestly not trying to do anything bad. But this right, movie but, 
this movie is punking yeah. the audience so exactly. hard yeah. on like, what we expect these actors to be doing based on their previous roles. Like this this movie, dude, in so many ways just beats the fuck out of our assumptions about what we think yes. this movie is. Oh, and for I every love, character. I love too. it. For every fucking character. Every man. character. Like, like he's not bad. Uh we we immediately Okay, so she I think a lot of people like read Tess as like knowing, like ha- having a lot of like uh, valid fear and being cautious. But if you pay attention, no, she's she's in a toxic relationship and she admits that she's probably going to go back to it. She says when she first opens that door downstairs, nope, which is what people are remembering. But they're forgetting that then after a little while, she's like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. Like she we're expecting her to be smart and she is initially but her she she falls to these things kind of easily like his charm you know she he just said all that like you just said he just said all that about like not drugging the wine and then she does have wine with him like mm-hmm. that's a moment when her fears should be like still on red alert but she's looking past the red flags uh, and then later, you know, the next morning, you know, she looks at that picture she took of his license and we see she's already got like a crush on him. Like even her, even our, our, our heroine who learns a lesson. And that lesson is that she has to stop going back to these toxic, uh, you know, uh, interests and these toxic traits and toxic, uh, you know, characters, uh, the immediate assumption that she knows better because she, she seems to at first isn't even true like she keeps making the wrong choices uh and keeps going back to the house and whatnot but yeah as you said every single character is presented uh, at first in a way where the the audience is like i think i gotta read on them and then it it's always shifted it's always changed like even the mother isn't the villain of the movie like right the mother's just another victim like it 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 all just shifts except for the one thing that I think like, I think maybe some people watching would be like, Oh no, the cops are dumb and didn't do anything. But I think most of us <laughs> watching were like, yeah, these cops aren't going to do anything. Oh my God, man. That was just <laughs> such an enraging part of this movie. But at the same time, it's like, okay, the cops are stopped by this, uh, woman of color who is hysterical, who has no ID, who it says she's renting this place but doesn't live there and is making these crazy accusations. And it's like, yeah, the cops would totally fucking blow that person off in real life. They don't give a shit. No, no, that is... Yeah, no, that is exactly... Like, watching it, I was like, yeah, that is how the cops would treat this person. And the movie, you know, is definitely making a statement about believing women. Uh, because, you know, we got we got her not being believed. We've got uh, Justin Long's situation where uh you know he is he's actually getting some sort of um you know repercussions for his actions and the you know this is this is right you know right in the end of the me too era when they would be writing this not that me too is entirely ended but the 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 major era of all the breaking stories of all the different uh terrible things that hollywood executives and actors and stuff had done and the the headline and stuff the variety headline that they show or whatever has the the name of uh, one of the uh, 
uh, fucking what do they call that? Ah, journalists. One of the journalists who broke a lot of those stories. So like they are comparing it also to the Me Too movement and how like there is a little bit of repercussion going on. Like he's he's definitely still dealing with some repercussion for his actions. But then when you look yeah. in it deeper, it's like honestly, all he has to do is sell these Airbnb houses and he's fine. Like, yeah, and he'll be able to fucking pay his rent for a while. Or yeah, he could just like, really, sell that gigantic fucking house and just buy a normal house or live in any of the other house. Like, you, you, yeah, he you has just start places, to realize, yeah. like, oh, even the little bit of, like, movement punishment. toward punishment isn't really a punishment. It's like, oh, you're a no. major star who doesn't get a paycheck for maybe a year. Like, most of them end up getting jobs again. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how I ended up on that. But I, I, I think that, no, it's like, completely accurate though. Yeah. Very relevant for the topic and the time period and everything that this was coming out, man. Yeah. And you know, like one assumption about this movie that that played on the characters in the movie as well as us, the viewers, is even whenever Tess goes outside of the house uh, that is in this neighborhood that is completely dilapidated yeah. and burnt out, and there's that homeless guy that runs up to her and is like, "Get out of the house! Get out of the house! Come out here!" Like you just assume that he is a crazy bad guy because he's a, yeah. a mm-hmm. homeless person running up to her and yelling at her and telling her to get out of the house and shit. And it's like, no, he's actually one of the only decent people in the whole movie. Like, yeah, everybody's assumptions about everybody are wrong. Yeah, and it, like I was thinking about that too because, like, you know, uh, um, I was thinking about this just from the perspective of like, because I, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, podcasts and stuff have picked apart a lot of why this is about like patriarchy and misogyny, and we're definitely going to talk about that some more. But like, I, I think looking at it uh, in the second go around and seeing that the two uh, the two potential good guys are uh, Keith and and um, can't remember what the homeless guy's name was, but uh, they are. They are actually trying to help, but what happens is their presentation. And, I, and let me tell you, this this is something that like ugh, took me a while to really like grasp because you know that part, like the part we were just talking about with the the homeless man trying to help her. He's like running Andre towards her. Name. Okay, there we go. He's like running toward her, and he's like you know yelling and stuff. The presentation of his attempt to help is scary right Mm -hmm. like for a woman like that's as much of a threat as any threat he might be trying to save her from the same thing happens with um with uh fucking keith like when he she comes up he like you know helps her out of the basement she comes up and she's like we gotta leave and it's something i didn't i didn't think about and i had to point it out to me i just don't think about this because men we're big uh, if a, if a, a a much larger person gets in your way and is preventing you from from moving out <laughs> when you're trying to get out, that that's it's a threat in a way. It, it's it's scary. Like he's trying to help. Yes, I believe very much that Keith is doing his best to try to help. But what he's not realizing is that his attempts to help are hindering everything. They they are they are creating more fear in her. Oh yeah. Uh, same the same with Andre. Like the, they they're creating more fear in her. Even though they're they're coming from the best possible standpoint, 
it is it is physicality it is voice it is there are certain things about uh, masculine presentation that are already inducing fear themselves so it With even good in good reason temp- again historically <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so like uh, you know even in attempting to do uh, to be helpful the, these men need to also be aware that they're not creating more fear themselves. And mm-hmm. and, and that's like just... I, I think this movie's real good because like I've been trying to analyze like what all these things are getting at. And I think this movie is doing a real good job of really picking apart how uh, patriarchy, a patriarchal order, hurts everyone. It hurts yeah. women. It hurts men who don't want to be involved. It hurts the people who do want to be involved. It, it, it's just harmful to everyone. Yeah. 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 I definitely think that there's a lot to that. And I mean, we kind of see that through the, I think the various shades of, of misogyny that we get through this movie where, uh-huh. you know, even, you know, even Keith has a little, a little bit of misogyny in him himself. I mean, well, in thinking that he can solve the problem. Yeah. And then of course, you know, um, um, AJ is his name, right? Uh, uh-huh. Justin yeah. Long's character. Justin Long, yeah, is just a a horrible, He's a raging misogynist, piece of, shit, yeah. <laughs> piece of so, garbage. And and then you meet the fucking Bowser at the end of the castle, <laughs> yeah, the final boss uh, of fucking Richard Brake, Frank in this, who is like, holy shit, like the yeah. ultimate message of misogyny. I just want to keep women in the house as breeders, as baby farms, and they should never leave the house and. Holy shit, man. And dude, like this th- this subject matter itself, man, just the entire idea of, you know, a man keeping women and their children and their children's children in an underground hidden lair in a normal suburban neighborhood, like this isn't even the stuff of horror. This is the stuff no, of it's reality. Real. Yeah, that's that's happened, yeah. That's the most mm-hmm. fucked up horrific shit of all time. Like in any time that I, you know, read stories about shit like that happening, which is all too common um, about, yeah, you know, people keeping women hostages in their basements or, you know, dug out fucking dirt cellars like Buffalo Bill style and, yeah, you know, using them as, as sex slaves and all this kind of right. stuff. That's the kind of thing I feel the ultimate despair whenever I hear any of this shit. Like, that yeah. stuff I can't shake. That fucks well, me and, up whenever and I hear that, that is, shit. And that is the patriarchal ideal. It is complete Ugh. control over your family and your your children, and also uh, you can play out your perversions. You can do whatever you want because no one is coming to save them. They're stuck in the home, uh, and yeah. that's why the the mother is this like monstrous patriarchal ideal. Like this is multiple generations of of incest creating this monstrous creature that only uh you know exists in the home and only thinks of mothering that's all that that's it that's the only knowledge that she has like she's she is a victim among victims like she is she has it far worse than anyone else in this movie yeah and that's something that really only struck me the second time around with this is that she you know the mother as as a character is ultimately extremely sad and is also an image of the extreme end of what patriarchy results right. in. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Like it is. It, this just creates monstrous, horrible things of all of us. 
Yep. And I, I think that, like, we we do have, as you said, like, the, all of the male characters represent some level of misogyny at some point. Like, even Keith, as you said, like, he's doing all he can to be nice, but, like, he kind of falls into this, like, savior trap where, like... Yeah. He wants he he's he's a good guy who wants to do good things, but sh- she goes down there, sees that I I I do feel a little bit like I completely understand why he when she says that there's a room down there with uh, a bed and a bucket, like why he as a person whose job it seems to be to go to these different properties and find properties to buy for these artist collectives, he's probably seen some shit like that before. And it's just like, yeah, you know, that happens. Like I do understand him not fully, fully believing her in that moment, but why does he have to stop her from leaving? Like why, (sighs) why? Like it's because he like, thinks he because he thinks he knows it's he yeah, knows better than her and exactly. that everything's fine exactly yeah. he thinks he's gonna fix it he thinks uh, you know everything's fine I'll go down there I'll show you everything's okay uh, and then when he gets down there it's again that sort of savior uh, desire which can be a very good thing but that's probably what drives him further into the tunnels like he sees that and then he sees this door he opens he sees cages he's like. Maybe there's someone down here. Maybe I could save someone. Jesus he, Christ, man. Yeah. When you see those fucking cages, like that's that's one of those moments where like I felt my fucking skin melting off of me where I was right. like something yeah. absolutely horrible is happening here. Fuck, man. And it's also just I think his it's kind of like what you're saying a second ago, that sense of male invincibility right. that, yeah. that we yeah. have. Dude, like there's times and Kate and I were talking about this, you know, last night after we watched the movie and stuff, but just the experiences of you know, myself and my wife living in a city side by side and just how different our experiences are just because I am a, you know, average size, you know, white guy. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'll let the dogs out at fucking one thirty in the morning with headphones in. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, that's going to happen to me. I used to do that Meanwhile, in LA all the time. I do it here in Portland yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because what, I mean, nothing's going to happen, you know? Meanwhile, it's like, if you're a lady, dude, like... If you're doing that, you're doing it with one headphone in. So you have more right. of your senses devoted to hearing if someone is coming up on you. Like, yeah. that sucks. That fucking sucks. Yeah. I can't imagine how stressful it must be Dude. to have to have those preservation instincts going at and all think, times to look for predators. Think, think about, like, okay, so, like, I mean, you probably experienced this, too. Okay, so you're walking late at night with your dogs. You see a woman walking toward you. Do you like me immediately get afraid? Like I'm immediately like, how do I make her not afraid? Like I don't oh, know what oh, to I do. Gotcha. My brain just mm. like is like, what the fuck do I do? I know I need to do something. So like I've tried. Yeah, I don't want to make that person feel threatened. Yes, right. exactly. So I've tried like crossing the street or like standing near a lamp with my dog, just like oh she's sniffing, you know, or whatever. Just something to try to not appear. Uh, scary <laughs> like sure. and i've come to the conclusion there's not really a solution to that right like you you the best you can do is just like uh, keep your head down and fucking move past as fast as you can right uh, yeah but it, it's it's like to know how much stress i have in that moment and to know that the woman approaching me has eight billion times that <laughs> yeah 
Oh my god! Fucking, right? Like, like I legit when I do see a woman coming from far away at night, I I do kind of just immediately have a panic feeling of like shit. I don't want to make that person nervous, right? But you know that's the cool thing about this movie, and especially watching it the second time around, I see so many things that I didn't catch the first time of things that Tess is doing. Not not as a, you know, exceptionally brilliant character in a horror movie, but just as like, well, just an average woman. Where like, first thing in the movie, she pulls up to the Airbnb, right? Uh-huh. She is still in her car, and she memorizes the door code before she right. even gets out of the car. Yep. And she's reciting it as she walks to the house, because she uh-huh. doesn't want to be out in the open, right? fumbling for her phone, looking for this code. Like, dude, I literally never have to think about that shit i wouldn't think oh i would about it (laughs) i would absolutely i (laughs) I have i have been attacked by a person before you have that is a little bit and it does happen and you probably should keep your head on a swivel if you're out late at night i probably should yeah Yeah. um it it definitely is one of those things that like they're showing how careful she's trying to be but then also uh, and, and I don't know how many other uh, women agree. Anna said uh, she'd never go in. Ever. She'd never go in that house. No matter what. She would have right. just turned yeah. around and left. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like, again, that's like... It, it, it's, again, showing her doing something that seems already... We're already thinking she's not going to do it, and she does it. Uh, and, and she keeps doing that. She keeps going back into the house and keeps, like, returning to the toxic environment. And that's why, like, you know, the ending is, of course, her shooting the mother. Her finally giving up and saying, like, no, I'm not going to return to this. Like, I I think I think there's, a like, that tension in her that she's trying to... It's like she's trying to please him for when she sees him. Like... She shouldn't care what he thinks. She should just get out of the bad situation, you'd think. But it's like she's trying to please him, which kind of leads to... Like, a lot of people have talked about how this is about abuse. And she talks about her boyfriend being, you know, this toxic situation. But we don't know everything they're talking about. But I I like that it never gives us much detail there. I like that. Yeah. and But it it also... Okay, so this movie started... Like basically as a writing exercise where uh, Zach Kreger was reading this book called The Gift of Fear, which is about uh, learning to trust your gut instinct. And it's really about like trying to help women avoid potential like trauma and harm in relationships. Yeah. Well, not just women, anybody. But um, it, it talks about these like red flags, these uh, uh, pre-incident indicators and... So he basically wrote this scene where basically all of these red flags would be present. Uh, and it almost seems like just thinking of it that way, that that it's almost like a, a comedic sketch in the beginning. Like, how does she not get this? Uh, but then, you know, he didn't really know where to go with it. And then just to, like he was just writing it as, as, you know, he thought it. And he decided, twist, he gets killed. You know, like... So that that's kind of what initiated like the full barbarian hmm. script was just the idea of dealing with these like um you know all these red flags and and so it, I feel like her character developed out of that idea that she wouldn't notice all these red flags. So I w- I just want to go through the the red flags, the pre-incident indicators and kind of talk about some of the 
points where those are attempted. One of the first is called forced teaming, and that's when you start speaking in we terms. Mm, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like so you're already do- in this. You're already a part of this. Right, exactly. And he does that pretty quickly with her. He starts talking about we. So, hmm. it, it, and it, it, the thing is that in, you know, in so many different things like, you know, uh, leadership books, books about sales, et cetera, they'll talk about using this very same uh, thing to try to, you know, uh, make people feel that you have their best interest at heart. Sure. Uh, so, like, Group speak. Yeah, it's not necessarily an evil thing, but it is an indicator. Uh, next, charm and niceness. Again, charm and niceness can be good and wonderful things. And he definitely displays those things. <laughs> but we're also, again, we're, we're worried. Like, we see that charm and niceness and we're like, yeah, that's what they do. They be charming. They be nice. Um, also, uh, this, this is a real interesting indicator that they do get in there. Too many details. Uh, if a person mm, is lying, yeah. they add excessive details. When he's trying to explain about the the tea and the wine, like he's going so deep into yes. detail, like that's a moment yes. where like a, it's a huge seeming red flag, you know? Uh, totally. Because again, uh, if you're thinking about explaining that, it's because you thought of what could be done in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, loan sharking, giving unsolicited help to the chosen victim. Uh, everything yeah, he's doing there. for her is unsolicited, which again is, uh, it's, it's, he's trying to be nice. And as I said, he's got this like savior, uh, desire, but he's not listening to her. Like, you know, he, mm, yeah. she says she doesn't want tea. He makes her tea. Like she says, like he, she'll just figure it out on her own. He's like, no, I'll stay here. Like, uh, he's, he, but again, he's not being mean. The, these are again, just indicators that something could happen. He's not doing could, anything yeah. wrong until it gets to that point. Uh, the unsolicited promise, which is a, a promise to do something when you're, you're just not even asking for a promise. So when he tells her like, okay, just stay up here and I'll go downstairs. Just promise me you'll stay up here and then we'll leave. And it's like, well, she could just leave any fucking There is no way. we. There is yeah, no there's no we. we. Yeah, you've introduced all this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then discounting the word no, which is, uh, you know, he, he does there uh, right at the, the end where she's like, no, no, no. Like, we have to go this way. And he's like, no, we got to go this way. And that's the way where the mother is. Like, uh, like, so he shows a lot of the red flags. But again, those, those all can just be, uh, you know, uh, absolutely benign when there there's no like intent on the other side to use those things uh, as a manipulative or abusive tactics those are just normal ways that people interact sometimes but when you put it all together and you put together the fact that we got you know pennywise here it, you 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 set up a perfect moment for that twist like yes, dude. nobody Seriously. believes he's going to die here everybody's thinking like no. oh he's tricking you He's well, especially you. from the trailer, like yeah. dude, the, the trailer for this really, like goddamn man, you know, for for as much bad stuff as trailers do for horror movies, fuck, this one did exactly the right thing. Although it was a high risk maneuver, because okay. like I I saw the trailer for this, and it's really just stuff from the first twenty minutes of the movie. Like it makes it look like yeah, it is a movie about a weird thing where a woman goes to an Airbnb and a guy's already there and he lures her in anyway and it's Pennywise, so 
there's you know, something about being yeah. locked in the basement. Like uh-huh. it seems, it seems like it's that kind of fucking thing, um, which is initially what turned me off about the movie. I was like, I don't want to watch some fucking you know rape, kidnap, torture porn movie. I don't give a shit about that. But then I remember last year somebody in our Facebook group, which is amazing, posted about how great the flick was, and they put up uh, the the movie poster for it, which is so. Like seventies, like Toby awesome. Hooper yeah. movie looking, like yeah, this blood red rad. thing with this woman at the top of the stairs. I was like, "Oh shit, this looks kind of fucking cool." And also, just I was so disarmed by the way that the title "Barbarian" didn't make any sense with what I was seeing on the poster. Made no sense to me, and I was like, "Okay, I'm interested in this now." So the trailer for this did the right thing, but also, again, I'm sure it turned a lot of people off. But, dude, you're right. Whenever it gets to that moment when Skarsgård gets his head suddenly and violently smashed against those rocks, I mean, okay, two things happen at that point in the movie. For one, you're like, holy fucking shit, I didn't know that this was a a creature movie. This is a fucking Uh monster movie out of nowhere, and I was not expecting it. And then you're also like... So Skarsgård is not the bad guy, and he's just fucking dead. And it is so shockingly violent in a movie that had just been subtle tension up to that point. Uh huh. Like the way that that movie had just been, you know, um, it's, it's like a kettle coming to boil at that point. You know, where you'd been suspicious of Keith. There'd been weird stuff going on in the house. Him having those like nightmares in the middle of the night, like just a lot of weird, shady. I don't know what's going on stuff. Uh-huh. And then. There's a fucking monster. And yep. then, who you thought was the bad guy is dead, and it is extreme, loud, full contact, fucking uh-huh. head-crushing violence. And then that 90-degree hairpin turn to Ricky Ticky Tavi in a convertible uh-huh. Porsche by the beachside. Like, that is one of the most mind-erasing moments I have ever had in a movie theater, ever. Phenomenal. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. I Yeah, I think that, like... The they they intentionally did this. Disney actually was in charge of of promoting this because they had bought 20th Century Fox, and oh, yeah. uh, this was like set to come out. And wow, you know they you know they're this is not really their brand. They Hang on, easily... does this make the mother a Disney princess? Hang on, yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like uh, just like uh, what's her name from Prey, right? Because that also <laughs> yeah. is technically Disney. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, so yeah, those two movies were just kind of on the cusp there, and Disney did a good job of promoting them, and kind of went against their own like you know family friendly bit. But of course, they didn't put their name on it, <laughs> but they promoted no. them right. You know, they promoted this very correctly by hiding any semblance of a twist and just making it look like yeah, it's the movie you think it's going to be. So when you sit down to it, you yeah like you said it's just mind erasing just like what just happened wow yeah yeah whenever that happened did you have the kind of visceral reaction that i did yeah where you were just destroyed i i really was just like wait what like yeah my brain really did just have a hold on and then yeah. it's like whenever it cut to justin long like uh anna said in her in her theater when she saw it that when it cuts, that cuts a little bit long, you know? It's a little bit longer than you think it's going to be, where it just fades to black. Yeah. Uh, and she said that people just thought the movie was over. And, like, 
I kind of had a little bit of that too when I was watching where it was just like, wait, what? Is this gonna gonna be like a title screen now? No, Justin Long, bright, bright fucking sunshine, the beach, ridiculous. It, yeah, which is also such a. It, it has so many parallels to fucking last week's Roadhouse episode with Homeboy driving, <laughs> Daddy Braddy driving that convertible all over the road singing his song. Like it's totally that moment. It really dude. is. I wonder. I do wonder because like watching Roadhouse last week was just like yeah. Yeah, I, that looks like that moment in Barbarian. It does. And then watching it here, it's like, gosh, I wonder if they intended that. Like, it just to show that, like, he's in the height of his power, like Daddy yeah. Braddy was, you know, like, no, nothing can touch him. And then this happens. But, dude, you know what's so effective about that, too? And, and it's so, it's so one of those things that I would love to know how much they had to fight you know, with the producers and stuff to make that moment happen. Cause it right. is such a just gigantic tonal leap. Yeah. Um, well, but God damn, it's so effective yeah. in the way that like you had spent the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the movie in this like near pitch black, ugly, nasty subterranean right. dark ass tunnel where you can't see five feet in front of you. And it's grim, and it's fucking nasty, and there's animal cages that humans have been kept in. Yeah. And there's a fucking monster, and a guy gets his brain smashed in and shit. Yeah. And then, wide open spaces. The beach, a convertible, <laughs> a happy white guy singing a song. Right. Like, that that shift, not only tonally, visually, color palette-wise, the humor that's interjected in there... Yeah. is so mind-blowingly drastic. I mean, that, is. that is a fucking masterstroke of movie making, in my opinion. Yeah, I and I think that, like, um, like, I feel like watching this and, like, reflecting on it, I, I feel like I spent so much of my time thinking through that first, what is it, 20 to 30 minutes, I guess, of the movie. It's 40 minutes before Justin Long appears. That okay, so 40 for, that first 40 minutes that I, I really had to force myself today to just, like, focus on the rest of the movie and what happens because that is so, like, perfect. It, 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 it has, like, such a perfect arc and really is making so many points. But then the second half of the movie really reinforces so much of what was said before. Like, I mean, we, as you said, like the, the, we learned that the mother is not the villain. Uh, we are introduced then to the actual villain and his villainy, which is Oof. just disgusting. And then given the, 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 the uh, heart wrenching feeling when you see, a torturous murderous piece of shit just kill themselves to uh, uh uh not have to feel any sort of sting for what they've done yeah. like he'll Faces never go no to jail repercussions. no None. one's ever gonna get any revenge nothing yeah uh and then like yeah fucking you also get justin long like pretending to himself aloud so often in that second half that like you know he's this good person who just did one bad thing or whatever yeah and then yeah. It's like, he has like moments of clarity for yeah. just a second yeah yeah but he 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 then well i mean he what he's what he's comes to realize is nothing honestly like he goes through the 
oh, poor me. Oh, this is why it's actually not that bad. Oh, I'm going to do something even fucking worse and then instantly start gaslighting you about it. Like, yeah, he never oh, you, slip, you slipped. Comes. I didn't throw you off yeah. that water, Terry. You, right. you were slipping. Yeah. He never comes to any sort of growth nope. and then just fucking dies. <laughs> Gets his eyeballs squished in his fucking head. Just like in Jeepers <laughs> Creepers, yes. man. Just like in Jeepers Creepers. Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, like I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it does have that bit to it. But yeah, fuck that movie. But yeah, like I, I think like, you know, his, his uh unrepentant misogyny even when he sees like you know he sees the fuck what is richard Brake's character's name frank he frank. sees frank down in the basement he turns on one of his torture videos calls him you know disgusting or whatever and the thing is that it's like wh- how are you different your difference is in the magnitude is that yeah. it like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. would do this if you could get away with it seemingly like you you would have gotten away with a sexual assault if your co-star didn't the, come the way forward he, he looks down on him and he's just like yeah. i just raped one person right yeah like what is yeah what is his but that's the thing is he he is constantly throughout the movie lying to himself and he never oh, becomes yeah. a better person never changes anything and he dies uh, as he is he's killed by this monster that the patriarchy created and i i think that's just fucking poetic awesome. justice yeah oh, it's absolutely so beautiful so, yeah man. but then also too before that like a few subtle things that happen that are just freaky as fuck like the the mother is chasing justin long down those corridors uh-huh. and then once he reaches the door to you know frank richard Bra- richard breaks little place that he stays in uh-huh like the woman realizes where he is and fucking turns away. Yeah, she stays that back. Yeah. Is freaky as fuck right there. Also makes me wonder if whenever she killed Keith earlier in the movie, if she was trying to protect Tess from a man. Probably. Yeah. Cause because uh, she I, knows what men do. You I because I, I really had the question, like, okay, so we know that uh, this has become an Airbnb at some point recently-ish. He he's bought this property. I he's never been there. I assume from you know what we see from the way he acts when he gets there and whatnot. Um, he buys this property for an Airbnb. I have to assume that unless these are the first people who've stayed there, that other people have stayed there without dying. I guess. So, but it's possible this is the absolute first night that they've ever had this as an Airbnb. So, let's consider that. The first night they're sleeping, that door opens, but nobody comes up. Like, the door opens and we hear a noise, but we find out that the noise is is Keith on the couch. And... There is a theory I saw online that the door itself is rigged to a switch and mm, that the guy, okay. Frank, is like operating it. Um, mm. So I, I'm not sure if maybe because like, OK, <laughs> we know that she goes out hunting because, uh, you know, uh, Andre says that, that she yeah. she goes out hunting around there. But there's 
you know, the only way into that catacomb seemed to be a way that she wouldn't have come out, but maybe he comes out. Like, he's got water and stuff down there. So I'm assuming he comes out from time to time to, like, grab food or whatever. I mean, he would have to, sure. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I wonder, like... I just wonder about the entire existence of this house as an Airbnb. Like, because if right. everybody mm-hmm. who stayed there died, th- it, that would probably raise some flags. Like, literally mm-hmm. nobody who stays here ever checks out. <laughs> like, but then at the same time, it's like, because it is in this absolutely destitute, burnt right. out fucking yeah, part of Detroit, where obviously the cops don't give a fuck about patrolling or being exactly. around. Yeah. Um, Man, it makes it just such a, a fucking island of despair, doesn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, like, I I just, yeah, there's so much I, I love that the movie leaves unanswered. Like, it shows Me us too. the 1980, like, Richard Brake in 1980 uh, gives us a little bit about Reagan to remind us that uh, every good horror movie Time is about period. how Reagan fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh it shows us that bit, but it doesn't tell us a lot. What it shows us is gives us the idea fully of what's going on down there. He is uh, abducting these women. He's holding them captive. Uh, some of them he's already he's, been at it for a while. Too. Yeah, he's been at it for a while. Some of him he's impregnated. Some of them have had children. Some of those children have been impregnated. Like he's he's a real piece of shit. Um, and the the thing is, we don't know any of the history of what happened except that little bit with his neighbor there kurt brownoler who uh, is telling him that you know they're selling and he says he's not going to sell so like what we know about detroit in in the 80s is that the the american automobile industry had kind of like you know seen some hard times and whatnot and so a lot of uh, there was a lot of sort of uh flight out of of detroit at that time so that's kind of what they're indicating there is that you know a lot of people are selling their houses he's not selling his house because he has roots there and this is an interesting thing like you often you know hear people talking about how you know you have roots in a place like that means your family's been there for several generations he has literal like he's built tunnels underground (laughs) underground right yeah Yeah, those are roots right those are roots roots like he cannot leave he is so intertwined in this house and i i have to assume that even before the house was bought by aj that he had kept it up because if he hadn't then it could have become a problem in the future for his tunnels like people could find them if the house starts Mm -hmm. falling apart that's why we have this like super weird moment where you're seeing this upkept nice house with all these like dilapidated houses around it. And my, my brain was just like racking, like why would Justin long buy this house and fix it up? That's a question, right? Like when did this house appear to be vacant and put on the market and who put it on the market and how did, how did, yeah, I've said Bobby long. How did, uh, Justin Justin long Long get it? Yeah, so what I'm thinking is that at some point uh, after he had completed his tunnels and whatnot, this guy, after upkeeping the house for a while, must have just found, I'm too old to upkeep it, sold it, and Justin Long, much like many rich people who invest in... uh, 
uh, properties to turn them into Airbnbs. Never saw the house. Probably bought it on an app. Uh, immediately hired someone else to run it as an Airbnb and just collect people's rent money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure asshole shit. Uh, but yeah, so like he by by uh, you know by uh, whether I- intentionally or unintentionally, Justin Long had invested in maintaining this man's. The uh, sex or you know sex dungeon, the uh, fucking tunnel territory area, <laughs> like whatever that's called. He he's he is he is funding this and providing victims, and like I think it's an interesting thing because as we said, Justin Long clearly thinks he's different than uh, Frank, but. When you look into it more, when you think about it, it really seems like the difference is negligible. Like, mm. it's so small. It's so tiny. And that Justin Long is, by his actions, maintaining and funding that continued torture and, and murder. Mm. I think it's so, very telling, too, that, that, you know, Justin Long, whenever he finds... You know, Richard Brake down there in that little bunker where he's laying uh, there all, all you know, dying and decrepit and shit. Because of his own bias towards women due to this woman that he raped and his uh-huh. eyes ruining his life. Oh, right. poor fucking him. Yeah. His reaction when he finds this guy at the end of this series of tunnels is like, you poor thing. We're, listen, I'm going to make her pay for what she did to you. I'm going to save you. Like he his bias against women automatically comes into play and he fucking trusts this monster until he sees the evidence himself with those yeah. tapes, which man, God, reading the spines of those tapes that he's collected of all uh, his victims. It's God, it makes me want to yeah. fucking throw up. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you're... it doesn't show us anything, by the way. It's oh, just yeah. the implication. Well, you know, there's some sound, tasteful. but yeah, it it's definitely yeah, I did not want to see anything of this sort. Yeah, it's Boy, I'll tell you what. Yeah, that that whole interaction between those two, I think, is very important because it, it's yes. really just like Justin Long seeing, seeing uh, the monstrous reflection of himself, like, and being disgusted by it. Like, yeah. But you're right that he immediately assumes that the man is the victim of this monstrous woman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But it's also showing you too that you know in all these situations. Uh, the the you know monstrous um, uh, man image of, of patriarchy going on here. They're all going to end up these decrepit, yeah, fucking you know alone. destroyed, yeah. yeah, alone, yeah, dying pieces of shit, mm-hmm. worn out, ugly, beat down human beings. Yeah. Like they're all going to end up that way. Like the Weinstein's, I mean, fucking Bill yeah. Cosby, all these pieces of shit. They're going to end up the same way, just fucking pathetic, helpless old men. That power doesn't last forever. It doesn't. And that's like, yeah, that's why it's it's kind of perfect that he commits suicide and that Justin Long is, is it's almost like, you know, uh, he's passing the torch to Justin Long. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the, he, he knows nothing about Justin Long, I assume, but he his laugh there before he kills himself is just this like knowing like, like this will continue. Like, I, it doesn't matter. I've, yeah, he's not I've lost just, anything. Yeah, I'm just a cog in a, a machine that grinds women. And yeah, 
that's did what it, I wanted to, got away with it. Yep, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's just so, but it's perfect. Like it's it's like the perfect uh, moment too. And to have Tess have to kill the mother is also so perfect because that's what I I feel like that's kind of what the movies getting at with like her constantly going back to this toxicity and at the end killing this mother it's like the product she has of it to, yeah she has to she has to get rid of that desire within herself to save these idiot men like she's mm-hmm. so crushing hard on uh keith from you know just one weird night interaction with him and it's it's unhealthy. It's toxic. It's not that Keith is bad. It's just that she's moving too fast already with a guy that like there's so many red flags. She should be worried still. She should still be like defensive. She should be looking for somewhere else to stay rather than go back there. But she's she's like bought into it. So by the end, what she has to do is learn to kill that part of herself learn to like mm. let go of that and, and in doing so uh, let go of patriarchy stop going back in the fucking house you know stop going back into the tunnels thinking you're gonna fix something just burn it down mm. man dude man i'll tell you the the camera work and the choices of how they did a lot of these shots in here make this movie so much more Amazing. I think the camera work and just the general aesthetic, the lighting of the movie and everything is absolutely fantastic. It is so fucking cool. And like the the way that they selectively use focus, you know, whether it's like seeing that door close behind Tess in the background or seeing that like when uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Andre coming up. You can see him in the background, yeah. like running toward her. Yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's just out of focus. It's so just fucking this, cool, uh, man. Yeah. And then even like when it goes to the, the the flashback with Richard Brake, which by the way, like I love that this movie has this insane three act. I mean, extremely hardcore delineated, you know, uh, three act kind of structure to it. Where, um. I remember saying, like, on our original episode that we did about it, that it almost reminds me of, like, a video game or something, where when you get to this one point in the game, it just resets or puts you back at a different level of the game, uh-huh. you know? Like, we, we get to the level in the tunnel where Skarsgård gets his head bashed in, reset, where it Justin Long. Justin Long gets to the part of the tunnels where he falls in the hole and Tess right. is there. Then the game resets, and we're yeah. back at... Richard Brake in the fucking Uh 80s and everything is idyllic and like it's so disorienting because you're like wait what the fuck like the neighborhood looks great is this in the future or is this in the past (laughs) and that's when you get yeah the Reagan and the Asia on the radio and stuff yeah but also like you know another really fucking sick thing I didn't notice is that whenever it jumps back to the 80s the aspect ratio changes Yes, yeah, they did a more like '80s aspect ratio, for full that. screen, four by uh-huh. three size. Like that's so, that's so fucking cool. It's like if you know the language of film, that is telling you when this is taking place. But the way that the that the, the lens that they chose for that part has this really wide angle that almost kind of like starts to to distort or walleye stuff where you're following yeah. Richard mm-hmm. Brake over his shoulder. And then even, you know, he's been in focus and he, he's been the center of the camera work and we've been over his shoulder this entire time. 
But then when he finds that woman in the yellow dress, then uh-uh. the focus is on her because we're seeing yeah. what he is focused on. It's almost like when he's in focus, it is because he's focused on himself. But then we see his focus change to something else. Like we're seeing yeah. what he is literally focused on by where the camera is focused. I said the word focus like 500 <laughs> times just now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I think, so, so fucking cool. I think like, uh, you know, Car- uh, I know Carpenter was an inspiration for, for Zach Kreger and, and that they, he wanted to make sure that the effects were like, uh, you know, uh, made out of stuff that was available to John Carpenter in 82 when they made the thing. Like, wow. Uh, I also know that he got, uh, a, a good bit of like, uh, help and encouragement from Jordan Peele in working this, another oh. Carpenter fan, um, another and, comedian turned horror guy. Exactly. Yeah. Who's, uh, apparently, you know, mentoring other comedians to turn horror, which is great. Love that. Um, but, uh, that that carpenter connection the th- there's something about carpenter that like is often overlooked but it's it's his simplicity in shot uh composition like he he doesn't do crazy things Mm-mm. they he's doing just he he goes for simple so that the thing itself stands out you know and i think this movie does that a lot where like the shot composition is pretty simple up the stairs light behind you etc but that simplicity is great it looks awesome it looks wonderful like it's it's perfectly fucking uh you know uh establishes the mood of that moment um and i i think that like i i like jordan peele's movies and i like this movie i i need more directors who are carpenter fanatics <laughs> like I, need I know right more directors who he watch did it carpenter right. and know that he knows what he's doing yeah yep do more of that right yeah i will say though man this is yet again and we talked about this recently and it got a lot of our facebook group talking about it too which i think is cool man i wish i would have watched this on physical media because our stream that we were watching it on uh-huh. man it did not do this any fucking justice man especially right. all those like really dark darks. scenes like yeah we have a really great tv and we have good internet connection now too like we pay out the fucking ass and have good internet connection and it just it can't keep up with all those all those blacks on screen and stuff, man. Like it 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 did not look as good as it should have, man. I wish that I would have watched this on physical media. Yeah, and absolutely. As far as we know, like Kate checked after we watched the movie, she's like, last I read, and I think she said the article was from like June of this year. It was like, yeah, Disney doesn't plan to release a physical of Barbarian. There's not yep. a physical of this fucking movie. That yep. blows. I know. The Amish can never watch it, Steve. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, English. Why can't I watch Barbarian? <laughs> I don't know why at the end you get a little pirate. But honestly, the Amish are basically pirates. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like, that, that is an absolute fucking evil element that's creeping in. I think I read that they were... Like, somebody... Some production company was releasing... A supposed physical copy, but it's just the 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 sleeve 
with the download code inside oh, of it. Oh, bullshit. No, uh-huh. that's not a fucking... No, that's It's stupid. not physical. It's not a physical copy. That's, that's no, a download code. I need code. to be able to watch <laughs> this fucking movie, uh, you know, during a time when they're working on the damn lines out here and the internet is down. Or when yeah. there's a storm and the fucking internet is down. Like, this movie needs to exist when the internet is not on, guys. They, they definitely... Yeah, I... I it's a shame because this is a well shot movie and i would i would like to see this on on blu-ray uh speaking of evil capitalist enterprises uh airbnb this movie uh you know obviously uh is working on the the uh horror that so many of us have uh dealt with and staying at an airbnb where you realize i'm just at somebody's house Uh, somebody's house is creepy um but this this movie is also dealing with the the landlord element of that. Uh, how this this uh, this entire house is being presented on Airbnb. Like, here's a nice, safe place to stay. I've literally never been there to check out and see if it's safe, but here it is. And I think that like you should be fine, right? Yeah, I think that like. Airbnb horror is is probably gonna have a little bit of a moment, uh, you know, over the next few years, uh, as it's kind of, it seems like it may be collapsing, and I hope so. Airbnb, absolute evil, and I feel like this movie is dealing uh, a little bit in that, in how like you know he this this guy is like he owns all these like properties in michigan specifically to rent out as airbnbs he's never seen them he's never been there the the people going to stay there have no assurance of safety um and i i assume on the, the airbnb when you look at the pictures it just looks like oh nice house i bet the neighborhood all looks like that like you just don't see the rest of the neighborhood it's like it's really dealing with like the insecurity provided by uh, an app taking over an industry like hotels or taxis. Like, remember back when you had to pay for a taxi license and if you got into a specific taxi, there were several people involved who knew a person was getting into a taxi, etc. And so there might be some safety precautions there. Whereas now you get into the backseat of a random person. <laughs> a random person's car and just assume it's going to be safe because an app told you so like yeah. <laughs> the the safety is certainly not guaranteed in in those uh, supposed you know fucking attempts at busting up uh, yeah yeah busting up the establishment but all they're really doing is busting up all the work that workers did to get rights in those uh particular industries and so, yeah, we, they, they Airbnb is this entirely unsafe uh, uh, situation already, and people kind of know that going into it. So that adds some of the extra tension when we know she's going into an Airbnb. Uh, and, you know, we uh, last year, a little, almost a year ago, uh, when we moved here, had to stay in an Airbnb for a week, and it had so many of those creepy elements, you know, like mm, so many, yeah. like th- there, there was just like this vent that went down to the basement cellar thing. And you could tell it was like an unfinished cellar type of, uh, you know, dirt floor thing. And like, Ugh. yeah. And so it's just like, what the fuck is down there? Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, and the, the, like everything creaks at night and whatnot. Um, I, I, I do think, that this movie does uh you know not only play with that tension but also play with like 
uh, just showing that, you know, here's your typical Airbnb owner, rich, uh, disaffected dude who has absolutely no connection with the property you're staying in. <laughs> but then the other option that we're presented with a person who has an absolute connection with the property you're staying in is also a negative. <laughs> <laughs> not good. Also not, not, not so good. Yeah. Oof, man. I saw a thing where the director said that he looked at this movie as being a David Fincher movie on top of the house yeah, and a Sam Raimi movie under the yeah. house. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. I yeah, love I do that. Too. I do too. And, and I can see it like, uh, you know, there, there is, there is a good like Fincher feel in the way that they've like uh, painted the house upstairs and the way they light it, it does have that sort of dark moodiness to it. And the uh, true crime kind of feel to it. Yeah. yeah, true crime kind of feel. And yeah, then when you're down there, yeah, there's there's a uh, a rubber monster after you. And it's practical. <laughs> Fucking practical. That's 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 the Raimi element, right? Like it's yeah. big, scary, practical, but uh, it it takes that turn, right? Like, I mean, you know, all the all the mothering elements to the character are presented at first as like gross, you know, like she's trying to uh, you know breastfeed Justin Long or push the bottle with the hair on it into the mouth or whatever. But like, <laughs> once you once we've like gotten more into it. We're seeing the monster more and more. I think this is interesting. Like as the monster's like history is revealed, we actually see the monster more and more, uh, and learn, of course, hmm. that she's not a monster. She's uh, you know a, a, victim. a victim. But yeah. yeah, like the the we're seeing the mother more and more, and in more light each time, to the point of like you know just full on face in light right before she gets shot. Like, yeah, yeah, just showing us, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because when you keep her hidden, it's easy to see, oh, that's the villain. Mm-hmm, but then when you mm-hmm. keep showing it, it's like, well, one, the uh, the the makeup it's very impressive and looks great. It but is, yeah. Two, you're 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 making us more familiar with the the mother, which makes us, you know, connect more. Oh yeah. Uh, also and- notice this time around that the mother boops there's yeah. a little boop. There's a nose <laughs> boop, a and she boop. says boop. Oh, mother. I never yeah. noticed the boop the first time, because it was just, like, so fucking freaky. But then you watch it this time, and you're like, oh, shit. And that's also something that's in the uh, the breastfeeding video there in the, the nursing yeah. room, which uh-huh. is terrifying. Yes, absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that, like, um, I think that, uh, you know, all the messages that, uh, you know, trying to get out there with patriarchy and all that stuff... At its core, this is a really good just horror movie. Like you don't have to even think about it. Like all that other stuff is is there and and very interesting and whatnot. But it's also a movie that is just uh, tense and subverts expectations in such an interesting and fun way. And then has you know really good uh, creature effect, like just all the stuff you'd want out of a great horror movie. It's all there. Blood, gore, yeah. fucking bashing, you know, people Tension. getting their arms ripped off like <laughs> Yeah, dude. And good and good practical effects. Like you mentioned earlier the practical effects and kind of that thing sort of mentality where you know, that's not like a rubber suit 
that no. the, the mother is. Like that is a dude who is basically naked in makeup. and covered in yeah. body paint. Yeah, yeah. And a wig and makeup and prosthetic teeth and shit. Yeah. Like apparently the biggest digital special effect in the entire movie is whenever it flashes back to Richard Brake when the, the neighborhood is all idyllic and scenic and stuff. Uh-huh. And the grass is green. Apparently that's the biggest special effect they did. They couldn't get their grass to grow around the house, so yeah. they just did that digitally, and that's apparently the biggest effect in the movie is that they made the fucking grass green. God oh. damn, dude. Like talk about like a horror movie fan's dream. An original story that's not a remake or a sequel or based uh. on some other shit with practical ass effects, with a trailer that didn't spoil everything, with uh. a cool ass soundtrack the soundtrack in this is pretty minimal it's mainly more yeah. sound design but mm-hmm. it's hyper effective like it kind of sounds like i'm describing a fucking carpenter movie right now <laughs> yeah kinda yeah and i i love that i mean i really i really do hope that zach Kreger. i uh, i know he's working on something um that doesn't have a a release date yet called weapons I you know, I, I'm interested to see what else he does in the future because this yeah as you said yeah he's got the carpenter elements like you know uh, Jordan Peele working with him you know to to help him summon this is really fucking cool to me that like uh, that that's a a good person to get some advice from I I feel no like doubt, especially man. for for horror fans to to hear that some of you know uh, I I think probably the best horror director right now though i know some yeah. people would disagree maybe but i think jordan peele's probably the best horror director going right now and to have him you know reaching out and and uh, helping uh zach is somewhat in this i don't know you know to the extent i know that uh, he he was involved is is all i'll say but uh, helping in any way is really fucking awesome and we need that because you look at back at like uh you know any, any time that we've had uh good eras in a particular genre, usually got a bunch of directors and writers and stuff that know each other and have some sort of like collegiality and kind of push each other to make better stuff. That's, that's what we want always is that push to make better stuff to scare people even more. No doubt, man. Yeah, no doubt. And when it's got those layers and social commentary, it's great. It's even better, man. You know, there's even a, a really, really, really fucked up layer to the very end Ooh, of the movie. Okay. That I didn't even really think about until I read some stuff about it. But, um, you know, at the very end of the movie there, after Tess shoots the mother and it cuts to credits and it's playing Be My Baby by... Oh, okay. I, the, I did know this Ronettes, and I'm glad right? we're talking about it. Yes. Phil Spector. So, yeah. yeah. So it's the Ronettes. It is a Motown song. Be my, be my baby. Everybody knows that song. It, it sounds very happy-go-lucky and stuff, and it's also like, oh, you know, I get it. Be my baby, like how the mother wanted a baby. But then if you peel back the layers and you realize that, like, the singer in that was married to Phil Spector, record producer Phil Spector, um, who was an absolute monster. Yeah. And basically kept his his wife and kids, like... Captive. Locked in the house. Yep. Captive. Uh that guy was a fucking monster. Read yeah, some stories was. about Phil Spector. He's a fucking maniac. Yeah, um, yeah, real piece of shit. Even adds layers to the very end of the movie, where it's like, you yeah. think this is just kind of a funny, ironic thing to put this at the end, and it's like, no, even that no. has meaning. <laughs> no, no, God, this is very up. much a representation of patriarchy. Like, Yeah, because like, 
Uh, yeah, just look into that entire story because that Oof. Phil Spector and Ron, ugh, man, Jesus Christ, he's a monster. Yeah, real Absolute piece of shit. Monster. But yeah, the Ron, it's like they're the talent. You know, they're the ones who putting in all the effort and whatnot. And Phil Spector is the one often talked about when you talk about. Yeah. That oh yeah. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Man, totally. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, I was I was really concerned going into this movie. Um, whenever we talked about doing it for the show, because. Watching it last time, I watched it in theaters, and it blew my mind. It was such a shock and awe kind of spectacle of a movie. I was really worried that, you know, watching it the second time, it would lose its luster. It's like, after I knew what was going to happen, would it still be cool? After I knew the twists and turns and where the tonal shifts were going to be, like, would it still scare me? Would it still make me tense? Would I still be engaged? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh, it does. Absolutely. It does. Man, alive, dude. This yeah. movie, even knowing everything about it, it almost makes it better. Knowing that, like, I think it does. I think it you know, does. going I think into it a different, it. yeah, like different expectations where you go into it knowing who's actually good and who's actually bad right. and what's going to happen. Still, so fucking engaging. And if anything, just let me focus more on the. You know, the, the the film craft going on here and how well made this movie is, it let me kind of soak that stuff in more because I wasn't trying to figure it out, you know? Because yeah. also, that's, that's the thing, too. Sometimes you watch these movies that are kind of twist movies, and you realize the first time you were so busy trying to figure it out that you didn't notice that it was kind of shitty in this way or that. This time, I was able to appreciate how great everything was. Right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't uh, lose anything. Definitely, I think gains everything on a second watch because yes, dude, you can you can. St- it's not like um, suddenly in the beginning you're like, oh, what's Tess worried about? She still has to worry. Uh, yeah. you know, like you could see now. Oh, Keith's probably worried too. Oh, they're just being like they're having a very awkward interaction because it's a very tough and weird situation in which he can't do anything right. Like literally just think about this. Even if when she showed up, if he had been like, you know what? There's been an accident clearly, but I'll leave tip of hat, walk out, go. She'd still be suspicious. She'd still be suspicious. Mm. What did Mm. he do while Mm. he was here? Like, yeah, there's no way he could have fixed her suspicion, but he, he, you know, he did the best he could. And that all is, you know, still tense, even knowing what's going on. And then knowing that, like, when he, you know, starts going down in the basement, you know, like, oh, it's about to shift. It's about to, to get that little, like, change. I don't know what it is. Like, even knowing that's about to happen, I think it maybe it is just leaving that fade to black just a little extra second longer than you expect. Where it was, it still had a strong effect on me, even though I knew it was happening. I was still yeah. just like, it leaves you a second to sit with what just happened before shocking you into this next moment. Like, yeah, even the surprise moment still hit with me on a second. Uh, on a rewatch. And I was able to laugh at the funnier stuff more too. I mean, the, the boop, the ridiculous shit that Justin <laughs> Long does because he's just yes. oblivious, measuring everything idiot. to see if he can increase his square footage in the listing. Yeah. What a, what fucking a piece ass. of shit. <laughs> what a fucking asshole, man. God damn, dude. This movie really is amazing. 2022 was a. It was, it was a good year. 
yeah. ass here. I mean, fucking bones and all. This, mm-hmm. X, Nope, Pearl. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, the movies it that came rad. out last year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a good one, too. I mean, this year, this year's had several that I've enjoyed. So I, I think, man, I, I am just so happy that we have so many good creative minds in, in horror right now who are no clearly taking all the right inspirations, you know? Like, yep, I agree. I, I really hope we, we get to keep seeing so many of these awesome, just, you know, unexpected type of movies where you really just don't know what you're getting into, but happy that you see it, you know? No kidding, man. I, I don't honestly know that I have any complaints about this movie. I like, don't. I don't. I can't think of anything that would make this better. What a fucking movie! I, it was such a it was such a treat watching this the first time, and I'm happy to report that even the second time it was still fantastic. I really, I don't have much anything to complain about, man. Yeah, like no, it I don't is either. it is grim and fucked up, and it, it does is. deal with you know one of one of the ultimate fucking fears I can imagine that entrapment, kidnap, you know, imprisoned underground scenario. Uh, that's yeah. absolute fucking nightmare fuel to me. 100%. But at the same time, there's there's enough levity in this movie to where it's not just like, you know, it, it's not like watching, I don't know, fucking something that is just truly emotionally grueling, like Irreversible or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. No, it, this does, is, it doesn't make light of it. It's a fun watch. It is a fun yeah. watch, even with the darkness and... As I said, like, yeah, the the main villain gets out by committing suicide. Like, we don't even get a fulfilling, like, you know, revenge ending or anything. Nope. Uh, but it's still fun. I'm still enjoying myself. Like, I I don't have trouble watching this movie at all. So, overall, you got a, a nombre that you would slap on this thing? Oh, do I tango an ombre? An ombre? Do I tango an ombre? <laughs> I do. We've been, we've been recording for a while. I do tango a little ombre. Um, let's see. Do I have a number for this? I mean, I, uh, it's a, blah, blah, blah. like I, um, I, as we said, there's no complaints. Like, what am I going to complain about? It, it's, it's, uh, a movie that does all the things I want a horror movie to do. It, uh, it, you know, in, you know, the first watch actually surprised me, actually like scared me at moments. Same. Um, Great performances, great camera work, great soundtrack, great effects. Exactly, uh, it holds up on a on a second watch and is even improved by it. Like I don't have any complaints uh, at all about the way the story plays out or the way that nope. like we're slowly given certain amounts of information. Like we know AJ sucks uh, almost immediately, but then we are kind of, you know, we have the conversation in the bar with his friend where he's like, you know, confirms to us that he's actually assaulted her. Um, yeah. Just bro do Chad. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I think the way it just slowly reveals stuff, but also doesn't waste time on everything. It lets your mind kind of fill in a lot of stuff without ever even addressing it. Uh, creature design, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, how do I not give it a 10? Well, I don't have a complaint. I know. That's kind of where I'm sitting at, too. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, great everything that we just said. Great social messaging that I appreciate. Right, You can yeah. also just watch it as a mm-hmm. fucked up movie, and it's fun. Absolutely. I kind of have a hard time not saying 10. I have yep. nothing to complain about. 
Way to go, Barbarian. You enter the not very exclusive 10 Club. (laughs) Right? For real, man. I can't wait to see what the director does next, man. Hopefully this isn't just a a weird fluke, and I hope that... No, I don't uh, think so. I hope we see more more horror coming our way from him, man. So I'll be on the lookout for more coming from the makers of Barbarian. That's a fun one, man. That's a fun one. Um, We want to know what you guys think about this flick on our social media pages, our Instagram, our uh, great Facebook group, which you can join up on and hang out with your boys and everybody else, cool people like yourselves with. Uh Uh, Just uh, find us on the Facebook. Use our Linktree page to find all of our things, which include our Patreon page. That's right. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes and including the Fast and Furious Hell Rankers that just went up recently. Uh, become a patron on a $5 level. You get uh, to submit a movie to the Smoke and Bowl. And then once a month, we draw from the Smoke and Bowl. And then we cover the movie that we draw from the Smoke and Bowl. It's a great deal. You should do it. Do the thing. That's right. The next episode could be yours. But it's not going to be because the nep The nep is going to be none other than a taste of the old country. That's right. Oh, mamma mia. Oh, we're taking you guys back to some pizza core horror, giving you guys <laughs> demons. Demons. Yeah. So be sure to tune in next week for that, uh, where I shall be Uncle Ban. And I shall be Hulibad Stiav. Oh, and we'll be dead and lovely. We'll catch you guys then. Bar, 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 bar. Oh, also Airbnb. You can spell barbarian out of Airbnb. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, you can. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. That that makes sense. There's another weird thing, too, where like the, and I can't remember the exact number, but like the house number is like 427 or something, which is like just completely by chance the year that the barbarian sacked Rome. Yeah, I read that. Apparently, that that Zach Kreger didn't intend it, but it just happened to be. Yeah, that's funny. Like, what? That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, bye. bye. Now, I found myself a pretty interesting news story that I find the lamestream media has uh-huh. just not picked up. They're not talking about it. I think they don't okay. want us talking about it, but I want you to hear about it. You ready for this? I, mean, I think so. Uh, maybe I'm not. Let's. I, I'm as prepared as I can be, not knowing what the information is. Dude, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. So, are you aware that Taco Bell uh-huh. is engaged in a pretty hefty lawsuit regarding their live moss campaign slogan that they had there for a while yeah okay why so they're not talking about this but apparently there's a bit of a controversy and they are being attacked by the person that says they created the slogan live moss and used it way 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 before taco bell did they are currently currently in deep court battles with swamp thing who famously said, Live Moss? <laughs> he does say that. Yeah. He loves when Moss lives. Like, that's one yeah. of his favorite things. I mean, that's him. It is. Yeah. Like, honestly, saying Live Moss makes more sense for him. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what he does 24 <laughs> 7. He 
he lives. And meanwhile, in the- fucking Yumco or Taco Bell's parent company, whatever they're called, uh-huh. is just trying to use his fucking lifestyle to sell a taco. Are you kidding me? Wow. Offensive. Wow. Offensive. Listen, that's I, you know what? That's not his. Uh, it's not a costume. It's his culture. Yeah, it's appropriation all the time. It is. It's it's swamp appropriation, and mm. I won't stand for it. That's for sure. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Live moss Live swamp thing. Moss. 